Welcome to New York. Oh, boy. We're finally here. <laughs> I'm Eric Goslin, and joining me, as always, is Mike Price. How you doing, Mike? Hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> pizza. Real New York Gabagool. pizza. Yeah. yeah. Uh, New York. I don't know what that was. This is Broadway, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I think that yeah, because it wasn't like New York, New York. I got caught. Uh, I got caught in the space between two ideas, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, just sort of died in the vacuum. That's yeah, always a fun place to be caught. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, well, this is Kill Streak episode eighteen, uh, and today we're going to be talking about Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight: Jason Takes Manhattan. Long, uh, long time getting to this one. Um, what a journey it's been. It's a journey. Uh, we, we took a boat. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man. Hey, let me let me do this because I feel like there's an urge to jump straight into the movie. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. There is. Let's but hold sure. off for one second and give me an Eric Goslin status update on. The whole series coming into Jason Takes Manhattan before you sat down to watch part eight. Where were you at? What was your headspace? How are you feeling about things? Uh, I'm feeling very good about this all. Um, it, the Friday the 13th series has taken over my life, as I'm sure it has for you. Sure, yeah. Uh, because we have to do two podcasts a week and then also watch two movies a week for mm-hmm. those podcasts. Yep. So the other like watching other things hasn't really happened much. We finally finished like the season finale of the last season of Ozark. Uh, okay. <laughs> and watch like it, what we do in shadows. Uh-huh. But um, it has been taking over my life. Oh, actually I made a little purchase yesterday from mm-hmm. Etsy. Okay. There is a, um, a seller who, who sells like a, a one sheet with the premiere date and five, 35 millimeter print cells from movies. Okay. And I picked up a return of the living dead one and oh, cool. a Friday the 13th part two one. Nice. That's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you feel about the series itself and where we've been over seven movies? Cause we're, you know, we're, we're past mm-hmm. the halfway point now. Um, it feels almost like we're in the end game, even though we're not. We have, even though we're not, we have three more movies. Four, don't we? <laughs> Four. Uh, we have, uh, yeah, goes to hell. X. Yeah. Yep. Freddy versus Jason and the reboot. Yeah, yeah and right. just to to uh, formalize this to the audience, we talked about it, and we are just going to do episodes for Freddy versus Jason and the reboot. So we might not go as in depth yeah. plot. Uh, plot wise for Freddy versus Jason, mm-hmm. because I think we're going to revisit it sure. once we 
eventually get to Nightmare on Elm Street series. Yeah, we don't want to squeeze um, all the blood out of that stone. But. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, coming – I've been so pleasantly surprised mm-hmm. by this series. Um, this was always one that I'm like, oh, I love Halloween. That's my slasher series. Friday the 13th has always been a lesser thing. But rewatching them, I've, I've enjoyed them so much. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, even – like I like I've said, uh, I think before, but especially one through seven, my feeling was like even the bad ones have been fun, mm-hmm. have been pretty fun. There haven't been, um, I mean, I think the easy whipping boys, the sort of scapegoats, would be the last two Return of the Living Dead movies, Necropolis, and, yes, and specifically yes. Rave to the Grave, is like it was a profoundly bad movie that was hard to sit through. And yes. Nothing has come close to that for this series. No. Yeah. Not even part five, which I think it's probably no no uh, secret that was the one we probably disliked the most mm-hmm. thus far. Yeah. Uh, even that one was like kind of fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. Um, something else that I wanted to touch on before we get into Jason Takes Manhattan specifically, uh, which was I was finally starting to think about. I, the context of the Friday the 13th movies in the horror landscape at this point mm. in time, as we like near the end of the eighties. Um, Cause I think both of us are a little bit too young to have been aware of the zeitgeist around horror movies in the eighties. Like we watched all these movies a lot, but we watched them later on. We watched After them in the nineties and you know, for the exactly. most part. Yeah, and so it was interesting to hear the producers in Crystal Lake Memories talk about how, at this point in time, around 1988, 1989, that Friday the Thirteenth is really being kind of usurped by uh, Nightmare on Elm Street as uh-huh. as like the sort of more popular, more um, profitable horror movie series. And I'm yeah, I, I would be interested to talk to somebody who lived through that time and. Uh, yeah, like where their loyalties li- mm-hmm. laid during this time. If they had brand loyalty to one versus the other, right. or if they're just happy. And it's amazing too, because nothing. It's something I didn't really think about, and I, I s- always felt like the movies continued on through mm-hmm. the nineties. But this, J- uh, Jason goes to hell. The next one is like ninety one or ninety. Oh, it's later. Than, it's got to be later than it's that. Later. Yeah, it's at least ninety. Maybe it's like ninety. Maybe ninety three. Yeah, I'll check it out. Ninety three. Um, yeah. It's amazing that eight movies came out within a decade. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it really like the uh, Friday the 13th series has such a huge, it's such a huge horror movie monolith mm-hmm. of a franchise, but they pretty much were only active for a decade and then a couple of movies here and there. Yeah. They haven't made a Friday the 13th movie since the remake. Oh yeah. It's been by far the longest break. I believe we're at like eleven years and counting. I think Friday. Yeah. I think the Friday the Thirteenth reboot was two thousand nine. I'm not positive. Yeah, and yeah, part that's correct. Thirteen. It's just sitting out there. You it, know what I mean? It's like, just waiting. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Jason Blum, um, or is it Bloom? Blum, <laughs> Blum, Blum, Bloom had tweeted some sort of like. Tongue in, not tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. but some sort of hinty yeah. thing about Friday the Thirteenth. So it's possible that the wheels are are turning to get a new one. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. I mean, yeah. I don't want to. 
blow too much smoke up the man's ass, but I would say considering his track record over the last few years, I I'm, I would be happy to see Blum or Bloomhouse take possession of the series and take a whack at it. Um, yeah, especially more so than um, just you know I the, we gotta we gotta look into this, but I don't know if the rights are back to Paramount now or New Line. I, yeah, I don't really know where the rights rest at the moment, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm sure that if he was so motivated, he could probably get his hands on on those. But now's not a great time to make a movie. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, you should probably wait. Yeah, wait a few months. Yeah, <laughs> see, what, see what happens. Um, I saw that uh, Pedro uh, uh, Aldomin- Aldon- Al Almodovar. Almodovar. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's something that I've never said out loud, but have read a billion times uh he and tilda swinton Uh are making a movie right now oh and like she has like a portable face mask that she can shield and he's you know gotcha i think some people are making movies but also Mm -hmm. they're probably not in the states where it's going crazy that's a good point i just googled it there's an accent over the o which makes me think it would be almodovar Um, that's how you say it the almodovar okay so there you go um, yeah, so something interesting. We're talking about these other series, and um, just like a, an interesting little trivia fact, 1989 is one of the years that all three of the Friday the 13th, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street series released an entry in the same year. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, because we've got... What a big year for, for horror fans. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, a ton of movies outside of these, too um some other big ones from the same year i want to say okay so we mentioned jason takes manhattan right you've got halloween 5 revenge of michael myers then you have mm-hmm. nightmare on elm street 5 the dream child Th- mm-hmm. this is also this- oh that's a oof. <laughs> wow oh that's so interesting because in a lot of ways those all right halloween 5 mm-hmm. uh nightmare on elm street 5 and Jason 8, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th 8, all considered to be pretty low points in all of those series. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's funny because this is not, yeah, it's not a, a good year for any of these series. Uh, we've got some bright spots in the year of horror. This is the year Society came out. Uh, oh, nice. Pet Cemetery, Mary Lambert. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you've got Toxie 2 and 3. Both came out in oh, 1989. Yeah. yeah, they shot them back to back. Yeah. And well, actually, they shot too long of a movie, and they decided <laughs> to make two movies. <laughs> um, and perhaps last but not least, uh, we've talked about it before. Sexy Julian Sands in Warlock comes out oh. in 1989. Yeah, and a bunch Ooh. more, including one movie that I've never seen, but I really, really want to. Tell me if you know anything about this one, Eric. Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. No. Have you heard of it? Eric's Revenge. No, I never heard of it. So it is a Phantom of the Opera uh, spin that takes place in a mall. <laughs> wow. Uh, and that's all I know about it. And that sounds amazing. <laughs> that does. Oh, we got to track that down. I'm ready to get down. Yeah. Phantom of the Mall. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. 1989, maybe not the hottest year for horror ever. Uh, certainly not for uh halloween or nightmare on elm street how about friday the 13th eric how did 
Jason Takes Manhattan, part eight, fair with you. Okay. So, (laughs) this is not a good movie by any stretch. Okay. This is not even a very good Friday the 13th movie. Uh Uh-huh. I had a fucking blast watching it. (laughs) I had so much fun watching this dumb movie. Uh, Um, okay. Okay. I... (laughs) Here's how I feel. I feel that I'm with you. And this is going to be this I mean I think this is both counterintuitive and actually in, incredibly logical that I agree with you until we get to and I'm doing giant air quotes Manhattan. Um, yes, yes, yes. Which yes. is the last it's really only the last half hour of the movie. Yeah. Um, oh, the ending, okay. So we we argued last week about seven, mm-hmm. uh, not argued, but really we sort of disagreed about seven. Um, I had, let's be clear, seven is probably technically a better movie than eight. I kind of I think I may have had more fun watching this one, mm-hmm. but because this movie fails in some really weird, interesting ways, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a really, it's such a failure on so yeah. many levels. I would, this is what I'll say. Like if, if I can make statements that I don't have to qualify at all and do my sort of uh-huh. wishy-washy thing, I'll say this, this is the biggest fucking mess in this entire series. And that includes yes. part five. Yes, um, I agree. Like part I five agree. is a misfire, but it's like a deliberate misfire. They made some decisions and they didn't pan yeah. out. But this movie is a fucking train wreck. Uh, yes. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> and and it doesn't necessarily make it better or worse than some of the other entries, but it is like they 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 shit the bed in a lot of ways here. I really think. This this is the necropolis of the Friday the Thirteenth movies. I think it's because it's just like it's infinitely watchable, mm-hmm. but it is so subpar. <laughs> uh, it is. It's also the longest of them all, right? And you feel every yeah. fucking minute of this movie. I don't think I've ever seen a longer. 100 minute movie in my life i mean that is especially in today's day and age that is an that is a tight economical runtime yes yeah but this movie feels like it fucking drags forever oh god this the series was just running on fumes like this i in this is the definition of like okay you're out of ideas yeah (laughs) you're really just throwing anything at the wall to see what happens Mm -hmm. um yeah. So not coincidentally, for a little bit of background here, um, so this is the movie that brought to an end uh, the reign of Frank Mancuso Jr. as the sort mm-hmm. of uh, driving production force. Uh, the rights left Paramount Pictures after this, the next movie. I mean, first of all, we talked, like Eric talked about, got eight movies from 1980 to 1989. And then... There's four years until the next one comes out from a different studio, right? Mm -hmm. Moves over to New Line. So we're not going to talk about Jason Goes to Hell today because we don't want to, you know, uh, get ahead of ourselves. But that's, I mean, they, the writing was on the wall. And I think maybe if this movie had been a smash hit, 
uh, things would have gone in a different direction. This was the lowest grossing movie of the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, it was terribly reviewed. Um, mm-hmm. And even I remember that. Yeah. Like I remember the word of mouth being that this one is really bad. Yeah. And the funny thing is I had a very specific experience myself where I was like, how could this be the worst one? Like this was probably five or six years ago. And I was like, how could eight be the worst one? It's like, they go to New York. That's like so fun and tongue in cheek. Uh And like, it must be like, and I, I don't know why, but I had some vague memory of liking it from being younger. And so, you know, there was, this was, we, we texted just a little bit about this before we watched it. Cause I had seen this more recently than you. I will say that I hadn't seen it so recently that I remembered half of it. Like I still, it felt like a new movie to me, but I did remember that the last time I saw it, I really thought it sucked and I was right. It really sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm pretty sure I've only seen the beginning of this one because I, I remember the, the opening scene, Mm -hmm. the houseboat, I think I just caught it on like Cinemax or HBO mm-hmm. and I don't know that I've seen it all the way through because I was, I just remembered nothing about it in like, I mean, I usually remember nothing about things, but <laughs> like in seven, I at least remember the beginning and the end. I know yeah. I like knew what happened, but in this one I was pretty clueless. So this might be the one that I've never seen. Okay. Well now you've seen it. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and let's see. What else should we talk about in terms of production info, trivia? So our um, uh, do you oh, want, I was just say the yeah the director you're gonna yeah Rob in. Rob Hedden. Do you want to shed a little light on on how he ended up in the director's chair for this one? Well, I th- he directed a couple episodes of the TV series, which I'm assuming that's how he got yeah in the director's so chair for this. He one. He was primarily a writer. Um, and uh-huh. he was uh, a longtime writer on MacGyver, which was a very popular show uh, at this point in the 80s. So, you know, uh, that's a great, great credit to have, you know, story editor, writer, worked on, you know, multiple seasons of MacGyver, made his way over to Friday the 13th, the series, which I don't know if we talked about this before, but that was really kind of Frank Mancuso Jr.'s baby. And to his mm-hmm. credit, we you talked last week about how he kind of likes to pass the buck when a movie flops. Yeah, yeah. Part of the reason that he was he was in fact less involved in the making of part 7 and that was because there was a lot of overlap with the launching and production of Friday the 13th the series, which yeah. which he had a lot of involvement in. Um I've tried to find those um and they're not available really anywhere. Well, I yeah. I used to watch them uh, as reruns on sci-fi probably in the late 90s, I think. Okay. And I know they were on in the afternoon. It was an after-school show for me. Mm. I'd get home and I'd, I'd, I think they'd have one or two episodes on on sci-fi in the afternoon. Um, but anyways, Rob Hedden, writer on MacGyver, writer on Return of the... Uh, sorry, not Return of the Living Dead. Uh, Friday the 13th, <laughs> the series. Um, and then he did sort of stump for the opportunity to direct a couple episodes of Friday the 13th. Um, and sort of they begrudgingly gave him the opportunity and uh, uh, turned, up, turned out to be very happy with his work. And that's pretty much how he maneuvered his way into this, you know, by 
knocking a few episodes of the series out of the park, supposedly. Um, um, what I was going to say uh-huh. is in Crystal Lake Memories, he comes off as a real real doof, real dipsy doodle, <laughs> I think. Well, you, you, you always have a hot take about the director the when you watch Crystal well, Lake would... Memories. Yeah, I mean, I'm t- normally I like them, uh-huh. but for the past two, yeah. Yeah, and this one, he had it didn't seem like he had any insight or any like humility about this one being bad and it was more like hey it's pretty cool that he's in new york i mean i think i'll i had a more generous read of this (laughs) um because well one thing i knew going into this is he's sort of publicly both in interviews and specifically on the commentary track for this movie has been like this movie sucks i'm sorry like oh i wish i I wish we had made a better movie for you guys but like and we'll get into it like you know he he got hamstrung a little bit with the budget but yes. even still it's a shitty movie for sure and he bears some responsibility for that so the way i read his tone was just kind of like yeah what are you going to do this is a shitty movie we had some fun at least you know yeah i mean it's i mean a doc he's only as good as they can present him in that you know i mean they right. probably cut stuff out that maybe he, maybe i'm just i'm being unfair who I wasn't being unfair to was was John Carl Beekler. Yeah, is that his name? Beekler. Yeah. I I listened. Did you watch that uh, unedited kills from Seven? I video I, I actually to? didn't watch the whole thing. No. Oh, it's awesome. Uh, the kills are awesome. Okay. Especially the head crushing. It rules. Okay. But he sounds like a total dipshit. <laughs> With everything, he's like, that's pretty attractive, right? Oh, and there it is. Oh, no. And there's one shot where it's it's the, the girl who's skinny dipping, uh-huh. and you're shooting it from under, and it's just like you can see everything. Right. And he's like, I really love this shot. <laughs> uh, uh, well, that reminds me of a very creepy moment from Crystal Lake Memories regarding this movie but i want to wait until we get to the scene okay okay where we talk about it uh so this is we've got a tom mccullough situation here rob Hedden both wrote and directed this film as he was uh primarily a writer and Mm -hmm. so this had originally been conceived to be a much more new york centric movie than it ended up being Mm -hmm. Uh, he said that he had scenes set in the Brooklyn on the Brooklyn Bridge. There was a, a the there's a boxing sort of confrontation that takes place in this movie that was originally supposed to be set in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fucking dumb. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how you're gonna make that make any sense. Um, and yeah, other I think the Statue of Liberty was gonna be perhaps even the site of the of like the climax of the movie, which would make sense considering how much they try to build it up as a, yes. you know, as a sort of linchpin to the whole thing. But uh, for anybody who hasn't seen this movie, they, <laughs> so I will repeat a, a running bit that has lived on for a long time that the, uh, the, the, the name that they used for the movie on the set instead of Jason takes Manhattan was, Jason takes Vancouver because (laughs) (laughs) they shot about, I think one, it's just really one scene in New York city. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Which they shot in times square. So at least it's like very, uh, undeniably Manhattan. 
Um, right. And it is cool to see Jason in Times Square. Yeah. Like, that is fun. Sure. And yeah, it's one of the only high points, I think, of the end of the last third of the movie. Um, but otherwise, it's, yeah, they there's just no New York in this. And they shot it all in Vancouver and on a boat. Um, yeah. Which is like, if the movie had just been like, Jason, you know, boat trip. Takes the boat. Yeah, Jason goes on a cruise. It's like, all right, well, at least you know what you're getting in for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I do think expectation had a big re- it was a big reason why people dislike this movie. Mm-hmm. Because Jason on a cruise ship is a fucking awesome idea. Yeah, That's it's, really fun. It's fun. Yeah. And maybe um, <laughs> and maybe if they had just committed to to making the whole thing be on a cruise ship, they wouldn't have had to slowly disappear about 60 extras um from yeah. from the cast of the movie. <laughs> Did you catch the reasoning why? This was something I didn't catch the first time. I didn't watch it multiple times. Are you times, talking about the thing where they're like in the restaurant? That line? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that when we get there. We'll talk about that when we get there. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, doesn't work for me. I'll say that. No, yeah. no certainly not. <laughs> yeah. Um, cast wise, uh, Kane Hodder is back as Jason Voorhees in his second of four appearances. Um, does fine work. He's very gooey this time. Um, so gooey. He's just wet in every scene of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we got a lot of like longtime TV actors. Um, there's uh, specifically so our our lead uh, Rennie is played by an actor named Jensen Daggett, which I thought was a great name. And she pops up in a billion things. She went on... This was one of her very earliest roles. Um, in fact, I believe it was her first feature role. And But she went on to be all over TV uh, for a long time. She shows up on uh, Melrose Place, Home Improvement, Matlock, Step by Step, Alf. Uh, she had a, uh, a recurring... Uh, role in The Single Guy. I don't know if you ever watched that oh, with yeah, Jonathan sure. Silverman. I watched that when it was yep. on. That was part of the must-see TV Thursday block at one point. Um, yeah, so, you know, she kind of fell off the map at the end of the 90s, but she she went on from this movie to do a lot of TV stuff, and she was definitely a familiar face. When she showed up, I was like, yeah, I've seen her in stuff mm-hmm. before. But that's pretty much it. Um, there's one other... Yeah, go ahead. What were you going to say? I was say uh, the guy who plays Uncle Charles. Yeah, um, he is definitely like I. As soon as he was on screen, I'm like, oh, I've seen that guy before, yeah. but I couldn't pit. I couldn't like say where. Um, but looking at his IMDb, he's been in Beverly Hills 90210. Yeah. Oh. Naked Gun two and a half. Yeah, that's where you recognize him from. That's yeah. where I recognize him from. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's been on everything, and he was a like a like a real working TV actor from the mid 50s on so he's been on so many damn shows that yeah. neither of us has ever still seen. alive too yeah wow. still kicking it what is he's Almost, gotta be 90 he's 90 uh he was born in uh 27 he's 93 so. wow yeah 93 all right keep it up peter mark richmond uh don't go hang out with your grandkids until <laughs> he definitely like does not like this movie no he doesn't. obviously why would he but like yeah. he was like getting dunked in that mm-hmm barrel was like one of the low points of his career i can understand that yeah um yeah and then the last the last uh, cast member i wanted to shout out 
um, in a relatively small role. Um, we'll talk about her when we go through the um, the synopsis. But Kelly Who plays mm-hmm. uh, Ava, and she uh, has done a number of things, done some some good TV work. But I recognized her as Lady Deathstrike from X Two, the second X Men movie. Yeah, uh, which is a really cool. She's a very cool sort of secondary villain, and she's got a great memorable death scene in that one. Uh, big fight with Hugh Jackman because uh, she's sort of for those who don't remember, she sort of plays like a, she's like another Wolverine almost. Um, That's kind mm-hmm. of kind of her character. She's got nails instead of claws. Claws, uh, but uh, yeah. So, anyways, and Scorpion King. I think she's also the female lead or one of the big leads in that one too so yeah a bunch of a bunch of people that you recognize without ever being able to be like oh that's that's where they're from yeah totally um let's see harry manfredini uh is not working on this one uh no in in uh the last one either he did not work on right uh it's the same guy from both of them i want to say his name is molin uh first name fred 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 mullen yeah now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna throw fred mullen under the bus because i think that while there are some tunes in this song that are very of their time but i kind of liked them and the songs yeah i kind of enjoyed them like the do are you talking about the original music or the ones just like the Oh, specifically music. like the songs in the movie. Some more soundtrack stuff, but I know that... Oh, I love... Yeah, yeah. I, I took notes of them. I thought they were awesome. Yeah, so he did work on uh, those songs along with a guy named Stan Meissner. Um, who, oh. Yeah, so, and like, so there's sort of a title song. It's not the title song because it's not called Jason Takes Manhattan, but it's a song called The Darkest Side of Night. Yes. Uh, which is by Stan Meissner and Peter Fredette. And that one opens the movie and it is uh it is a real 1989 jam it's got some eric will talk about it. it's it got some real robert plant meets don henley flavor kind of yeah, yeah maybe i'll even drop it in when we talk about it oh why not or i can drop it in now and uh, do whatever the fuck we want why don't we let's do this here's a crazy idea um let's take a quick break for our sponsor uh, mm-hmm. And then we can start up our uh, plot summary with a little bit of the intro music from... Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, Good idea. from Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. Hey guys, Eric here. There's a new Vampire Diaries podcast in Mystic Falls. That's right, the Vampedi Diaries. What is the Vampedi Diaries? It's a hilarious after-show podcast where a fella named Pete who has never seen the hit CW show, The Vampire Diaries, discusses each episode with a superfan. New episodes of the pod come out every bloodthirsty Thursday on Apple Podcasts. And uh, yeah, the hosts, Peter Harmon and Ashley, they're great people. He's a very funny author. He's written some great books. Uh, and he's been a guest on some of my podcasts. And his wife is an absolute delight. And check them out, guys. It's going to be fun if you like the uh, Vampire Diaries, if you want to get into the Vampire Diaries, or if you just want to hear two people talk about the Vampire Diaries and don't want to watch a show, which would be weird. All right, guys, back to our podcast.
dark side of the night. That I was so my uh, I was very confused uh, right up at the top because I didn't realize until after the movie ended and I went to go listen to that song again that the spoken word is part of that musical track and I it just is? thought it was like yeah oh no yeah. way yeah oh, okay. so all of that opening narration is part of the song. I thought it was like for the movie, and I was like, Me "This too. is such a WTF!" Like, I'm yeah. like, what in God's name is? I I, I wrote it down verbatim. Yeah, it's, re- <laughs> it's like this: we live in claustrophobia, a land of steel and concrete, trapped like dark waters. There's no escape, nor do we want it. We've come to thrive on it and each other. You can't get the adrenaline pumping without terror, people. I love this town. <laughs> it's it's uh it's really something. It, yeah. So we get we basically did you ever see the movie Bronson? Uh with Tom Hardy? No, I haven't. It's really cool. In the in the very beginning you see flashes of like all the upcoming scenes essentially. Mm-hmm. And this is what we get here. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's an artistic choice. We get shots of New York's, some 80s, an 80s punk gang. I love right. 80s punk gangs. Um, a man getting mugged. <laughs> uh, then uh, one of the guys throws the wallet into that barrel of liquid with right. a rat in it. Mm-hmm. Some junkies shooting up. Comically large amounts of heroin. So like, much. Yeah. Like, like syringes enough, just half full. <laughs> enough heroin to like kill an elephant. Yeah. Um and like New York City at this time was a fucking shit show. You know what I yeah. mean? Like this is before Times Square got cleaned up. Or maybe uh, maybe around the time that it started to get cleaned up. Uh yeah, it was pretty bad. And they yeah, they truly they make it look like a hillscape. <laughs> yeah, really. Everything is covered in graffiti. Like, yeah. once they're in quote-unquote New York, everything mm-hmm. is covered in graffiti. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, so then after that little bit, uh, we get a really lame... It's a really lame credit sequence. We don't get, like, the typical flashy credit sequence, uh, which is yeah. disappointing. Yeah, uh, definitely. This is not an exciting one for for the uh for the books um that was i really added a lot with that comment no no i wrote a really lame joke quote-unquote joke which is Uh, the director of photography was brian england i think he's related to robert england (laughs) you know freddie yeah that is a terrible (laughs) joke because they're spelled they're spelled different i mean i pointed out that it wasn't really a joke so it makes it okay uh we go to camp crystal lake we're back uh, two teens, Jimmy and Susie, are making out on their houseboat. Someone's yeah. houseboat. One of my favorite continuity uh, fuck-ups uh, across these last three movies is they all start in a, the same location, right? Yeah. Because like, Jason gets, you know, sunken in this <laughs> yeah. lake. Three, like, So he's there three movies in a row, and every time the buildings are different, like uh-huh. right where he is in the lake. <laughs> the lake is big enough to support a houseboat. Is it really a houseboat? I thought it was just a boat boat. I mean, most boats, I grew up basically on a lake, uh-huh. uh, and there was no boat that you could go inside of. And okay. there was a bed. Like, I don't know, this is a fancy-ass boat. 
Okay, I yeah, I mean, it's definitely a big-ass boat. There's no question about that. I guess when I think about houseboats, I always think about them kind of just being... Well, one, you know, you stay there if you are a cop who has... <laughs> who's, has a, a bitch of an ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, and maybe, like, a dark past, like, uh, like there was a murder on the job, like a, like a shooting on the job that you can't get over yet. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Like a real serious drinking problem. I still problem. see his face when I close my eyes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what houseboats are for. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also tend to think of them as being immobile most of the time, where they're always just sort of docked, right? And you just live there because you got to drive your car there and yeah. park and uh, everything. This one's like kind of the size of the Orca. Maybe a little bit, actually a little bit smaller than the Orca from Jaws. Okay, yeah. Um. So Jimmy and Susie are making out. The radio broadcaster, who I guess was part of the the track, gives a shout out to the graduating seniors who are coming to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Just setting the stage a little yeah. bit. Uh, um, yeah, we get some immediate nudity uh, that really lingers on it too. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's this is a very attractive young woman. Mm-hmm. Um, some real solid nudity. I do think, like a lot of things, it sets expectations that this movie can't live up to. Yes. Um, I was definitely thinking to myself, it's like, oh, right out of the gate, some real early nudity. This is going to be a sexy one. And it's not, It's really. not, no. Yeah. This is the only, I would say, unobscured nude scene in the whole movie, right? Uh, there's the, the shower, the shower and the mirror stuff. She's right. doing that. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's, yeah, there's not a lot. And it's also, uh, you know, just to, to make it clear that I'm not a total creep. That's also a murder scene. And uh-huh. like, I like it. Like I like my murder and my sex separate, I especially, agree. especially in these films. It's like, I'm not going to enjoy a topless scene if, if it's, if she's Someone's shrieking and getting murdered it's like that's not fun or sexy you know it's like you have the sex and then you get murdered that's the order you're supposed to go in yeah yeah <laughs> i agree uh that's why they call it the little death um <laughs> he goes and drops the anchor which gets wrapped around some electrical cables do they really string electrical cables along the bottom of lakes i guess maybe they do I think that as a matter of course, they try to bury them as opposed to just leaving, leaving them, them sitting on the loose on the, on on the, the floor. bottom of the yeah. lake. Yeah. yeah, that's my that's my feeling. Um, uh, he comes back and scares her by telling her the legend of Jason while we see the anchor gets caught on the cable and Jason is essentially laying right on top of the power cable. Mm-hmm. So how are yeah. they able to lay that cable? I guess it was there before he died. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's a lot of features of the bottom of this lake that we obviously didn't know. And what's so funny is, like, they're in front of Crystal Lake Camp. Yeah. Which, like, they obviously, like, put this fake sign up to make it, like, be like, hey, they're on Camp Crystal Lake. But he wasn't, he didn't die in front of a camp. He died in front of fucking uh, Tina's Tina's house. house. Yeah. Yeah. So this Uh, is Tina's house then. Yeah, you're right. And wouldn't wouldn't her dad be down there? Yeah, right? It is completely <laughs> un... Also, why didn't they take him away? Like, why didn't they bring Jason back up? Like, retrieve his body? Ah, okay. Yeah, uh, some anyway. good questions, but there aren't any good answers, my friend. Um, So the anchor breaks the cable and electricity pulses through Jason. Yeah. And he's back, and, baby. 
Yeah, and I want to point out, I like I noticed this right away, but it's Jimmy, I believe is the character's name, right? Mm-hmm. Jimmy's telling the story of Jason Voorhees, and we are seeing new footage of Jason drowning. Yeah, it's as not a boy. flashback. It was it's new stuff. Yeah, it's a different child actor uh, who is really, in a way, you could say, is the real star of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is. It's this boy, uh, but we'll get there in due time. <laughs> um, so uh, Jason climbs onto the boat. Meanwhile, Jimmy scares Susie by like putting on a, a very, very good Jason mask. Yeah, and stabbing her with a fake knife. Uh, good one, man. It's real funny. He's, <laughs> right, he's it's wearing like, who, who, for the benefit of who? Yeah, who's that for? Like, yeah, <laughs> you're just gonna make her angry unless you're just a sadist. Uh, he is wearing high cut bikini briefs. Yeah, <laughs> like they're real. Yeah, um, we get some we get some man candy up front too. <laughs> so Jason reaches in. He grabs his mask. He grabs a harpoon gun because, of course. Houseboats on lakes have uh-huh. harpoon guns. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't. I don't want to spoil anything here, but I mean, this is this lake. We learn in the process of watching this movie that apparently Crystal Lake has an outlet to the Atlantic to the Ocean. Ocean. You're right. You're absolutely right. You're right. Yeah. So a fact we never knew until until this film. But uh, in, in just a few short scenes, this same boat will end up in a, an Atlantic harbor, <laughs> which was actually a Pacific harbor. <laughs> um, uh, great. Yeah. So Jason's there. Um, he looks and sounds super squishy. Yeah. He, he cocks a harpoon gun and shoots it right into the wall by Susie's head. Um, and then he stabs the gun into Jimmy's belly, yeah. which I guess the gun is still sharp. And yeah, I have a lot of respect here for Susie, who she gets this harpoon shot at her, and she straight up bails. She yeah, she just leaves. She, she just leaves. She Fuck goes out that. the window, and Jimmy's left to fend for himself. And I was like, "Good move, Susie." <laughs> That's the um, last good move that she makes. Though. Yeah, she hides in a compartment, and Jason finds her. And she's kind of smiling through her death scene. It's weird. <laughs> she doesn't pull it off. No. And she 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 picks this hiding spot like a fucking four year old playing hide and seek. Like yeah, literally, it's it is the first place you would look. It's yes. like the big hatch that opens up on the other end of the boat, and she's right there underneath the door. It's like and... when my son hides under his covers and thinks I can't see him. You know what I mean? Thinks that like yeah. he's completely flat. Right. Yeah, she's like they're like fifty feet from the shore. Like she, she could have swam. Just, yeah, she's just taken off, yeah. I wonder if Jason's a good swimmer. He has a lot of water experience, but never in a good way. Did I he mean, ever learn how to swim? I uh, one would think so, because again, spoilers, he also swims from Oh, yeah. <laughs> shipwreck in the middle of the Atlantic oh, yeah. to the New York Harbor. <laughs> oh my God, you're right. Sorry. Yeah, never mind. Um, <laughs> so uh, he ends up killing her. Um, stabs her really slowly in the chest. It's stupid. Um, it looks her, bad. Looks bad. She she said uh, in Camp Crystal Lake Memory, she said that like the dummy uh, had too big a boobs for her. <laughs> she was pumped when she saw it, but yeah. like, they had to take it down. Uh, so body count of two, 
Then we see the other boat that we're going to be spending our time with. So two boat scenes in a row. Yeah. Uh, the Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cruise ship that's going to bring the graduating class of Cramp Crystal, Crystal High or whatever uh, to New York. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we actually did do a cruise, a senior cruise after my graduation, so I could relate to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many people were on your cruise? Uh, you know, my graduating class is probably around two to 300 people. And, you know, okay. I guess maybe a hundred or so came maybe a little more onto the cruise. Cause this yeah. one, how much, how many would you estimate on this boat? Well, it depends on what stage in the movie we're talking about. Um, at the beginning, I feel like they, well, I'm going to ballpark. Like there's like 50 extras, uh-huh. Uh, which feels, I'm like, okay, Crystal Lake might be a, was that a fucking firework? Yeah, it was <laughs> July 23rd. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, maybe this is a small high school, but then, yeah, that, that number is going to go down steadily. Yeah. Very quickly. And not because Jason's just offing everybody. It's like, it's clear that they just didn't have Woo! the money to actually put people on this, on this boat. Yeah. Oh man. And, um, oh, so we get the boat. Um, oh, we meet Rennie. Who's our main girl, her dog, Toby, which is, who is adorable. I love that dog. <laughs> it's a little, um, what is it? A, uh, uh, Border Collie. Border Collie, yeah. Very smart dogs. Uh, yeah. 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 I knew a I knew a great Border Collie in L.A. named Tim. Tim? Uh, he, <laughs> he was a very smart dog, and he was very cute. If you name your dog a human name, I will always laugh. It's a great, yeah. it's a great gig, it's, gag. It's a good way to go, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we meet her teacher, Colleen, who's like a chaperone. And Colleen gives her Stephen King's fountain pen that he supposedly used <laughs> as a present, a graduating yeah. present. Yeah, this is, um, like many of the Friday the 13th movies, uh, this one loves to do, like, single scene, five line of dialogue, exposition to set up a relationship between two characters and then never use any of that relationship again. Yeah. Uh, unless it's really convenient. So this is their, like, how fast can we establish a mentor-mentee relationship between these two? Um, because they're not ever going to have, like, conversations that, you know, make you feel like they are they actually care about each other. It's no. just like, we just get this info dump at the beginning. Did you ever hear about Stephen King's idea for a novel about Jason Voorhees? No. Tell me more. Um, he, he wanted to do it, but he never... He just figured it, le- it would be like a legal nightmare to do. Sure. But it was it was going to be... It's like a, a novel from the point of view of Jason Voorhees. Like, after <laughs> all the... Like, throughout all the years. Uh, which I feel like he should do. That would be amazing. Wow. Yeah, you know? that's certainly an interesting idea. Uh, uh-uh. So, the boat from last night pulls up. There's blood on the window... There's a dock worker here, Ralph part f- three or four. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Yeah. Uh, he, he gets super freaked out. He, uh, he... Char- go ahead. What? No, no, go. No, you keep going. I was going to say Charles. We meet Charles. 
who is also a teacher and Rennie's uncle slash guardian. Now, I want to ask you a question here. Uh Is it ever officially established that he is, in fact, a teacher? Or, like, because I thought initially that he was, like, the principal or something by the way that he thinks he's in charge of everything. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. Like, I don't know if there was ever any dialogue that was explicit about that. No, I guess there isn't. I assumed he was the principal, too. Yeah. Um, But certainly how he plays it. Yes. And boy, does he play it. He gets pissed off at literally everything everybody does all the time. Yeah. He is by far like in a in a series full of broadly sketched characters, he may be the most just sort of comically uh he's such an asshole. He and is it's the, like I wrote it down in my notes, he's the most hateable character of any of these movies, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because he's not it's not just like the way he treats people, but it's also just like this obnoxious Whatever anybody does or says, his response is is always negative, and it's always like you're doing it wrong, or do better, or just like it's like in every scene. Yeah. Like, like, and then uh, not to when when Tina is potentially being assaulted, he's like, mm-hmm. no, we shouldn't, we shouldn't interfere. <laughs> like he's <laughs> there's no redeeming value to this dude. Yeah, he's a real asshole. Uh, and. Yeah. To, t- to our point, he gets pissed at Colleen for bringing Rennie to the boat. Uh, you meet the ship's captain, who they refer to as the Admiral, and his son, who's also a student, Sean uh-huh. Robertson. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I love this scene. <laughs> this is all... It's just... It's so fucking weird and out of place. And... Yeah. Okay, so I just want to paint a picture. They call him the Admiral. He is also wearing like stars and bars. Like he <laughs> like like he's a fucking admiral in the United States Navy. Yeah. Um but he is captaining a high school cruise ship. <laughs> <laughs> what a fall from grace. <sighs> and so okay, oh. so he is like it's implied that Sean has been training along with his dad and the Admiral relinquishes control of the vessel yeah. to his son. It's and a he even proud gifts, moment. A proud yeah. moment. He gifts him a sexton for his graduation. Yeah. And then Sean literally just doesn't do one thing right. And the dad gets so fucking pissed off. He storms off, <laughs> but he gets like, he's not like abusive mad. He's like no. so disappointed. He's so disappointed. Yeah, missed, like um, Sean basically like missed one point of protocol, like did, right. like, like didn't flip this switch or didn't like check this one thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Insane. And you know what? Both of these guys, I'm looking at them right now, uh, and both of them, they're wearing U.S. Navy uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the other guy is wearing, you know, the kind of khaki uh, sailor outfit, like not you know the traditional white one, but it's like. Yeah, they look like they're in the armed forces, yeah. but they're but they're driving a cruise ship. Um, so Jason pops out of the water and climbs onto the boat. <laughs> Just... It's I wrote lol, and then the the dock walker, the dock worker guy says, "This voyage is doomed." <laughs> it's like Crazy Ralph all over again. 
Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, some sweet music plays as they pull off. It's called the song's called "Say This to Me" by Neo A4. I've never heard of them before, but I like this. I liked it. I liked the song too. I thought I was like, "This is a fun '80s montage." Uh, yeah, and fucking, <laughs> they're like playing shuffleboard. It is the worst weather to like take a cruise in. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, I obviously I knew this movie was set was actually shot in Vancouver. But now that I'm, like, seeing it again, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is so clearly not the East Coast of the United States. Right, like giant it's redwoods like, and shit. <laughs> yeah, just, like, mountains and snow. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, this is this is Canada. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> so Rennie and Cena, uh, scene, <laughs> fucking idiot. And Rennie and scene. Sean uh, have a <laughs> scene together. Um, he's like, I heard you weren't coming. I changed my mind. And he give he gives her a really shitty Statue of Liberty neck necklace, and she, to which she responds, "Sean, I love it." <laughs> and then uh, Charles C blocks Sean and interrupts them. <laughs> and then, uh, all the all the shit you say on this podcast, and you're gonna censor cock. <laughs> I just don't think it's appropriate. Right. Um, someone's filming them. And then it pans over, and there's a totally rocking babe. Uh, and we meet JJ. She's a uh, total fox. Fox for yeah. the ages. She's got a flying um, V. Electric she's got a guitar. flying V, a leather jacket. It's a pink flying V. She's got uh, a perm, Wayne, I think. <laughs> Wayne is also a bit of a stud himself. Like He looks like he should be hanging out like Zebulon here in LA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Wayne can get it for sure. Yeah. Zebulon, for people who don't live in LA, is like a very hip, um, basically a hipster bar. Uh, yeah, and music venue used to be mm-hmm. in the old days. In the old days before the plague. Uh, so Charles tells Rennie, "There's a big storm predicted for tonight. It's not too late. You can get back on shore." So they're really implying something traumatic happened to her that involved water, uh, but she doesn't even know what it is. And she's like, yeah. don't you think it's time I found out and got over it? <laughs> and he has the weirdest line, facing your fear doesn't always conquer it. It's like, that's absolutely terrible advice. <laughs> <laughs> He's, I mean, he has a very unconventional uh, child rearing style. And we yeah. will find out more about this as we go through the film. So JJ is walking around with her flying V guitar, totally rocking out with her by herself in the belly of the ship. Yeah, I guess she's like scouting out places they could shoot yeah. in a music video. They had a little exchange, and she wanted Wayne to go with her to go scout music video locations, but he's got to go do some kind of lapdog type shit for, for Tamara, right? For Tamara, yeah, the queen bee that we haven't met yet. But there's they have a little exchange that sort of suggests perhaps an unrequited type of jj wayne love fit triangle which yeah honestly i would watch a different movie me too that with that unfolding happily. me too yeah um but unfortunately for her jason is right behind her <laughs> and uh she screams and then through like i don't know a pipe the the like ralph guy the ship worker slash ralph hears uh-huh. it and then yeah. Jason hits her in the face with her guitar and blood splats all over, like, the, the lens. Mm-hmm. Body count to three. Uh, Jason's clomping around the ship. He looks into Rennie's room 
And then from her point of view, we hear a kid say, Mommy? And she turns and gets a vision of Jason uh, dr- like drowning in the porthole of the ship. As a boy. As, as a, a boy. boy. Exactly. As a boy. And Toby, her dog, freaks out and runs out of the room. <laughs> My next note is, ha, 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 the boys are fucking boxing in the boat. This movie rips. <laughs> <laughs> My note my note says boxing question mark exclamation point what a confused film this is <laughs> exactly yeah yeah so they we just have these guys in the ships the cruise ships gym, gym. boxing yeah. it's a boxing match like there yeah. are people like they're all suited up and there are people all around them uh, oh so it, yeah so it's like oh hey julius did you bring your gloves of course i brought my gloves we're on a ship <laughs> this makes no sense. Um, and then there's two girls watching from above, Tamara mm-hmm. and Eva. The Tamara yeah. being the the bad girl that we talked about before. Mm-hmm. She might be one of the most conniving people in any of these movies. Melissa yeah. was pretty close behind. Um, Ma- but- Melissa was just so one note bitchy. Yeah, but but she is like, she's more willing to yeah she's she does some really sketchy shit melissa didn't yeah melissa just tried to make nick jealous right and then refused (laughs) to believe anything was happening even at the last 10 minutes of the movie (laughs) yeah um and then so uh my wife at this point asked like is eva the first asian character in the series and she actually is she's the first asian character interesting um, I, I hate to take us backwards, but I did want to ask, I wrote this down and I forgot to ask you as a, a guitar player and a musician, mm-hmm. I got the impression that when JJ was playing her licks, one, it seemed like she actually knew how to play guitar Two, She may have actually been playing the part that is playing on the soundtrack. What yes. thoughts? Yeah, no, I actually, uh, I didn't write it down, but you saying it reminded me. Uh, yes, it looks like she is actually knows how to play guitar and is playing what I'd have to rewatch to be sure. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like she's playing in the right part of the guitar and like on time yeah. with the song. So it's yeah. like there are so many movies when someone is just strumming like chords that aren't chords. Part part one of this series. Part one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I, I always like to notice when like somebody's like, oh, they're actually playing like a G chord there, and right. it makes sense. One more reason why JJ was cool, and it sucks that she's the first person on the boat. It to really die. does suck. It's such a wasted opportunity because she was, she seems so awesome. I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so <laughs> Tamara says to Eva, "Is like, is that a muscular bod or what? Julius is the only senior I'd consider doing it with." uh i i did i did like this language I yeah feel me like too that is what an 18 year old girl would say like the only one that i would think about doing it with. and i love the way they're dressed too oh yeah like well so yeah eva's got the backwards suspenders yeah in front yeah, yeah they cross over on her chest yeah. yep it's rad uh so wayne the video dude's walking around with his camera he bumps into charles who's looking for Rennie because it's time for the senior predictions. <laughs> um, Classic. And then we cut to Tamara. Nighttime is the right time. And then she, she pulls out some cocaine. 
Yeah, but she doesn't have anything nearly as fun to say about her cocaine. Yeah, snowy as... in the valley. <laughs> snow, or like snow flurries up your nose or whatever it is. Yeah. No, she doesn't have any good quips. She just says nighttime is the right time. I love it. Uh, which is true. Nighttime is the right time for cocaine. <laughs> don't do... Uh, Listen, yeah. guys. I don't do cocaine, but I yeah. know one thing. Do not do cocaine during the day. Yeah, if you're doing coke and the sun is up, you fucked up, bro. <laughs> did you ever watch Letterkenny? Uh, I have seen the first two seasons of Letterkenny. Okay. Did yeah. you get to the part where they're talking about like doing cocaine and they're like, you ever you ever do dry rips? It's like, what's that? It's like, when you when you do cocaine without drinking, there's like, no, I'm not a monster. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> um, <sighs> so... Then, uh, oh, oh, yeah, she offers some coke to Eva, but she does, Eva doesn't want to do it because she doesn't want to get caught and lose her, quote, science scholarship, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Uh, and then Rennie interrupts them. I don't know why. I didn't write down why. And then she leaves. She's looking, she's looking for... Sean? She's looking for her dog. She's oh, her dog. For, yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. She's looking for her dog. I'm going to call him Tim because I can't remember his real name. <laughs> Toby. Toby. It's her. It's also her. Oh, but it's shit. played by a dog named Ace. I don't know if wow, it's a boy or a girl. That changes my whole conception of this movie. <laughs> Does it pass the Bechtel test? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, it does. Um, so, and then Charles finds them uh, and then takes her cocaine. They claim it's not theirs. Uh, he leaves. And then Tamara has a plan to get back at Rennie Wait, because she thinks no, hold she on. I, him. I think we're I think we're glossing over what I found to be a very important plot element. Okay. Which is Charles his his sort of proposed punishment is that he is gonna force it's Tamara, is that her name? Yeah, Tamara. So he he insists on seeing Tamara's biology final. That's right, her final. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which this is a graduation cruise. Yeah. <laughs> so like like school is over. Yeah. And then at this point, I this is when I wrote down what is his role on this ship? Like yeah. so either he's the biology teacher and then he has a crazy god complex considering <laughs> how he's dealing with everyone else or otherwise he's the principal or say vice principal in which case like that person doesn't grade projects papers and yeah yeah <laughs> none of none of this makes any sense to me but i i thought it was like i got really hung up in the details of this like uh, well, and it like turns out, out there's a reason yeah go ahead though i'd like to point out that the director is primarily a writer so he knows what he's doing <laughs> That is, I had I had a chuckle to myself more than once after seeing some interviews with him. So yeah, going to your point uh, to your point that he's kind of a doofus. It's like so this guy's a writer, but this movie is so clunky and makes so little sense. It's it like, really it is. is one of the worst. It's it's honestly one of the worst written movies in this series. It might oh. be the worst. Yeah, I mean, honestly, thinking back, it probably is the worst written of all of them. Even Five, which I didn't like very much, had, like, MacGuffins and, you know, had, like, <laughs> plot twists. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then we cut to a dude in a sauna 
and then Jason comes in, and I guess it's the guy that Julius beat up. Yeah, he never and, gets uh, a character name. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He says, and he also has a towel over his face, so he never sees his face. <laughs> and Jason picks up a hot rock and punches it into his stomach, and it kind of like flames. Yeah, which um, was kind. Of, it was a kind of cool, creative. It's, it's cool, a creative yeah. murder, at least. Yeah, it they is. cut some of the gore out of it. Um, and so you know, we've said this before. It's a pretty bloodless Friday movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny. Okay, so you had mentioned, like, you know, coming into this, how was I feeling about the series? Mm-hmm. And I think that so much of my opinion on this movie was from, the from like, part one, two, four, and then the next movie, Jason Goes to Hell, mm-hmm. which I remember being pretty gory and actually has one of my favorite kills of the series. Yeah in it uh but most of these movies are pretty bloodless i mean it's it i think and you know so i'm i would have been able to speak to this better when i was right out of film school because this is something that we talked about a little bit i i actually took a film in the 80s course that was awesome and i wrote mm-hmm. i wrote my final thesis paper on uh horror comedy in the 80s nice um i read it a couple years ago. It's not that good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a B. I actually, I got a B I actually wrote like a term paper on uh, slasher movies. Um, yeah. In like, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the reason I bring it up is because like there is a shift happening with the MPAA uh, at this point in time. So you're, you're totally right. And it's, it's, I think we're seeing that, Five to a certain degree, but specifically six, seven, and eight are really taking the brunt of uh, the MPAs. I think it's just kind of responding to the popularity of horror movies and slasher movies over the course of the 80s. And I think one of the things that you see is that these more popular, well-known movies are getting hit so much harder than unknown properties, right? So it's like... um, and, and some of that is, you know, some of these movies get such small releases that they even are kind of, some of them come out initially in unrated cuts. Yeah. But, like, I, I would just say, like, do this as a thought experiment. I mean, we bring this movie up all the time because it's great. But think about how much gore there is in a movie like Reanimator. Yeah. Which what year did came that come out? out? 1985. Um, okay. And it did have to get edited to get an R rating. So we're probably used to seeing more than was in the initial theatrical run. But you think about a movie like that compared to what's the equivalent Friday the 13th movie? I'm going to guess uh, five or six. Yeah. Part five. Probably like part five. Yeah. Yeah. Part five. Uh, and you think about how much those movies got cut up. And I do think there's something to the amount of attention that a movie gets from the MPAA, right? Yeah, I mean, even Society came out the same year as this movie, and that movie's Mm -hmm. disgusting. Yeah, totally. Um, And I just think these smaller, quirkier films kind of can skate through because uh, they're not going to get these huge releases, and also it's just like, you know, they they can only pay so much attention to things. And in the way that, you know, Gene Siskel has sort of an axe to grind with this series, like... I wouldn't be surprised to know that the MPAA feels the same way and that yeah. they kind of come into it with an agenda. But yeah, this stuff is neutered for sure. 
especially I've been feeling it so hard in these last three movies, uh, yeah. six, seven, eight. I mean, we talked about it at length with seven, um, how much oh, stuff got cut out. I mentioned it earlier. I sent Mike on YouTube. They have um, the uncensored kills from seven and you should check them out. They're awesome. Like they yeah. really are cool. Uh, and it's a shame they're not in the movie. Because, like, it's stuff that would just get be on TV now. It would be in Sons right. of Anarchy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. So, back to the movie. Uh, Colleen and Rennie are on the top deck talking. And Tammy, or Tamara, straight up knocks her into the water. Which is just off the top insane. of a cruise ship. Off the yeah. top you of a cruise ship. Could absolutely kill her. Like, more absolutely. likely than not. Here's what I wrote down. Good thing this cruise ship isn't moving. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because if they had actually been on a real cruise, like, yeah, that's a great way to kill somebody. Like, yeah, there she and there's no guardrail. <laughs> yeah, it's a. I mean, it's the '80s, man. It was a different time. That's true. Um, I, I rode in the front seat. Mm-hmm. Didn't wear a seatbelt. This is some serious mean girl shit. Um, it's insane. Yeah. Um, so Colleen throws her a life preserver. Rennie hallucinates that Jason as a little boy is pulling her down into the water. And then Sean jumps in and saves her. Uh, <laughs> Tamara to herself is like, that was truly excellent. And Eva <laughs> is like rightfully freaked out and says she has to go and leaves. Yeah. Yeah. She recognizes that this is uh, <laughs> the behavior of a sociopath. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, so Rennie's back on deck. She tells Colleen that she never learned how to swim. Uncle Charles arrives. He's a dick to everybody. Just, Just such literally an every, even like Sean, who like jumped in to save her, was like, mm-hmm. "Get your hands off of her!" It's yeah. So I mean, this is fucking weird. This is the beginning of a of a trend of Charles being a giant asshole to Sean, who is an eighteen year old boy who manages yeah. to. Uh, really pull off a lot of impressive stuff. <laughs> yeah. And Charles is constantly just like, you're a fuck up. You should be doing better. And it's, yeah. <laughs> uh, so then that sh- Ralph ship worker guy's like, he's come back. You're all going to die. Uh, and then what the fuck does this dude know? Like, how does he know about Jason? Where's this guy? What's this guy's story? I mean, he's just very, I mean, he's, I assume he's gotta be Ralph's cousin or brother or something. <laughs> and oh man, they should he's... do, if that guy was still alive, they should do a clump style movie about Ralph's family where he plays every character. The Ralphs. The Ralphs. <laughs> You're doomed. Um, so then there's a knock on the door. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I missed a part. Um, Rennie goes to the bathroom and washes her hands and blood starts pouring out of the faucet. And then the mirror kind of turns into water, mm-hmm. and the little boy, Jason, reaches through the mirror. It's kind of cool, but it's also such a ripoff of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. And it's totally nonsensical from a plot perspective. Uh-huh. Because it's like there's no – there at, at no point up to now, and I'll tell you at no point – from now until the end of the movie, they ever try to establish that Rennie has like a, you know, a, a gift powers. for ESP. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's this whole, like, and again, I know that, you know, starting in part six, we've sort of graduated to Jason being a truly supernatural character, but 
it's like he's never been like none of this is canonically part of the series there's the ghost of his younger self is like haunting one of the characters it it is makes no sense it's tied to nothing yeah and i will also tell you that it like resolves in the most confusing way possible and there's never any light shed on what exactly is going on and i want to talk more in depth about the timeline once we get to like the reveal uh but for now rennie oh yeah we there's a knock on tamara's door or tamara Uh i don't know which one it is uh, Let's just call her Tammy. That's easier. Tammy, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Charles. He's there to see her biology pro, um, uh, project, apparently. <laughs> project. Uh, and she's straight up, she's in a robe drinking champagne and sexy <laughs> music, sax music is playing. Yeah. Rightfully, he's like, where did you get that? Yeah. Because <laughs> <The champagne laughs> it's hilarious. She's a high school senior yeah, who just she graduated. <laughs> she's like handing champagne to a 50-year-old man. <laughs> Um, and he gets pissed off. He's like, she's like, but I hadn't even showed you my biology project and drops the robe and her body's all painted up with organs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's for biology. Do you get it? For biology. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh also starts- I just, <laughs> sorry. One more thing. This is a big scene. This is an exciting scene. And I wanted to point out that it really took her taking off all of her clothes for me to appreciate the majesty of her hair. And oh. <laughs> the, what has to be an entire can of Aquanet that went into uh, <laughs> getting it into its its final resting place. Do you think it rivals um, Tina's mom from Seven? I think it does. I wow. think, yeah, I absolutely. I mean, Tina's mom, the style is more ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I'm going to look at a picture of it. I always want to see it again. Yeah, but I would say the sheer volume and size of Tamara's hair is something else entirely. Uh, yeah. Let me just, uh, I just want to see this woman again. Where is she? Yeah. Oh, it's just Tina. Oh, there she is. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> you see it. You see it in its glory. I do see it. Oh wow. It's so good. Okay, I'm back. Um so uh she's all painted up. She starts kissing him, and then through the door we see Wayne filming them with his camera, so we realize now this is a blackmail situation. Mm-hmm. Uh and I wrote Tina might be the most conniving character in the series. We just saw her almost commit attempted murder or commit attempted yeah. murder and now she's blackmailing either a teacher or a principal at her school she's done yeah. cocaine cocaine mm-hmm. um <laughs> she's not a good uh, person no she's not and this is the scene that i refer to in crystal lake memories where this actor um uh is recounting his experience of uh-huh. shooting this did you see this yes and I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but he basically implies that he got an erection yes, while shooting yes, this scene. Yes, he did. That's what it seemed <laughs> he, like. And he did it in the creepiest old man way possible. <laughs> and, you know, they're interviewing him, and at this point he's into his he's well into his late 70s, I think, during this interview. And he's just like, he's almost like rubbing his hands together. And I'm like, yeah, and then uh, she was... We were rolling around, and you know, I got uh, pretty uh, excited. You know, and it's just like <laughs> it's, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and then so he leaves charles leaves and wayne tells tammy that he's had the major hots for her since sophomore year she just kind of just shoes him out of the room. <laughs> yeah, she really laughs him off and sends him away. And my and I my wrote my wrote my note says, uh, "Get it together, Tammy. Wayne is almost certainly the hottest guy on this ship." <laughs> yeah, he really is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he leaves. Jason reveals himself to us, not to her. Then she's in the shower, which I think is the most justified shower scene of any of the horror movies we've seen. Because she does have paint on her body. She just, <laughs> she's got to wash it off. She's got to wash it off. Like, the other times, it's just like, oh, she just woke up from a nap. She's like, you don't need to shower. You're fine. Unless you're a real sweat, sweat person. Sweat pig. <laughs> um yeah. So that's good justification. I do give credit to... You know what? He is a good writer. Okay, um, fair enough. She sees Jason and waits for far too long to do anything about it. Um, and then she shuts the door. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's like behind the door. She shuts the door. He punches through, rips her robe off, which I didn't like, uh, and then throws her into the mirror. Then he picks up like a sliver of mirror and stabs her with it. And her yeah. scream blends with the foghorn for a body count of five. <clears throat> yeah. I also want to say that in here, I think right before this scene, we got something that I earnestly loved, which was like a little miniature shot of the ship on the high seas. That oh, was, yeah. I don't know if you remember that shot, but it I was don't. like... I. It was a thing where I was like, I miss practical special effects in the 80, from, from this time period all the time. Uh, cause it's like, it's literally like a little water tank where there's like waves and it's oh, a miniature awesome. ship in a water tank. And it's like, yeah, it looks hilarious, but also cool. Anyways. Uh, so then the Admiral and his first mate or whatever are up on the bridge and he's talking to him. I think he's like talking about, I didn't write it down, but I think he's like talking about like, you ever regret something you say to your son or something like that? <laughs> like basically implying that he regrets blowing up at Sean earlier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Admiral leaves. We see Jason selecting a whale harpoon and then comes up behind like the first mate guy and looks like he's just stabbing him in the butt. <laughs> it does. Well, so this is like perhaps the laziest kill we've ever seen in this series there might be one worse coming up um i I mean up to up to this point because it's like there's no special effect there's 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 like no makeup work was done we're watching it through a window and so it's literally just jason fake stabbing this guy with the whale harpoon and the guy doing all sorts of hysterics yeah uh, and then falling down and it's like it's like pantomime. It's it's yeah. yeah. It's crazy. It's so lame. Um, yeah. And then the admiral comes back, and Jason um, comes up behind. Oh yeah, he finds a dead guy. Jason comes up behind him and slits his throat with the wrong end of the machete again, just like in part they do two. It again, yeah, they do it again, and then there's no blood. We yeah. But the thing yeah. is, they stay on the shot long enough to see that there's sort of a cut. Yes. And you're nothing. like, oh, blood's about to spray. Nothing comes yeah. out. Nothing uh, comes out and then they cut away. Yeah. Body counts up to seven. And what I wanted to propose here is that maybe the Friday the 13th series takes place in an alternate reality where they use knives backwards. 
Like that's the only explanation. Uh, they've done it like three times. Yeah. Uh, it's. I mean, I almost wonder if it's a nod at this point. To yeah, the maybe, maybe it is. They fucked it up. Because you know what? It's not hard to make a machete doll. Ryan Martin, previous guest on the show, mm-hmm. only guest on the show, he he's a bit of a special effects man himself, and he has dull machete. He has machete with yeah. like a with like a notch cut out, so it looks like you're cutting into your arm. And that shit rules. Like the shit. If Ryan Martin did this movie, it'd be better than what's in this movie. That's all I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, the voice of the voice of Killstreak. Yeah, this is Killstreak. So then, uh, Sean and Rennie come up to the bridge, and they find their dead, the dad dead at the wheel. Um, Sean makes an announcement <laughs> to everybody. All the Sorry. teens, well, some of the teens, run up to the bridge. Yeah, and so this is the time when you really feel the budget crunch. Because at this point, there are ostensibly, I don't know, let's be conservative and say 50 students on this boat. Yeah. He makes an announcement for everyone to come to the bridge, and our seven named characters come to the bridge, and that is it. Yes. Yep. And even one guy who I don't think I ever got the name of, the like floppy-haired blonde guy... Yeah, he's got great outfits. He does, um, and he he hangs out with Sean. Exactly. That's his whole. That's his only thing. <laughs> so Sean radios the Coast Guard, but of course Jason pulls the cord, and then the crazy Ralph ship guy comes in and crazy Ralphs them all. Uh, <laughs> just basically like you're doomed. It's a doomed voyage. Um, and there's a huge power struggle between Charles and Julius and the other students because. People are trying to like take charge, and Charles is like, no, it should be me. Like, it's... And Charles has decided that the crazy Ralph character is the murderer. Just yeah, that's like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has just like in an instant been like, it's him. He's killing everybody. I'm gonna go get him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He grabs a flare gun. He like loads a mm-hmm. flare gun to try to find, to yeah. try to find him. Um, so Rennie tells uh, uh, Sean tells Rennie to drop the anchors. Which she does with no explanation or instructions. <laughs> it's, it's so insane. It's like it's a giant ship, and she sent he sends her to drop the anchors by herself. Yeah, it's like all of this machinery and shit. You've been if you've been on a boat, it's like the stuff that you look at and you're like, I have no idea yeah. what any of this does yeah. or it's how like- it would possibly work. <laughs> Yeah. It's like when you look into the cockpit of a plane as you're getting on, you're like, what the fuck are those switches? <laughs> yeah, she goes over there and just starts pulling a bunch of levers, and it's like, all right, cool. There it is. I guess it worked. Um, so, uh, Charles, oh, before she does, Charles stops her because he's like, you shouldn't be listening to him. You should be listening to me. He's like threatened by everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Eva finds Tammy. Then she sees Jason and runs. And this is one of the most fascinating scenes in any of the movies, I think. Oh, my God. He chases her onto the dance floor. Yeah, so there's like a club room. Which yeah, In the like montage, we, when there used to be uh, five times as many people on this ship, we saw them partying in here. Because mm-hmm. um, it's like set up really fun for like a big party. And I was like, wow, they really did a lot of decorations and got a huge cruise ship for nine people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jason is literally everywhere at once. Like he, every place she looks, he's there and she's standing completely still. And then she looks and he's not there. 
and she right. keeps looking around. And then he's and it's there. A round, it, it's a round room. She's in the middle of a round room on a dance Just floor. looking around yeah. and can't find him. And then he's there and he strangles her. So it's a chase scene with no chase. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, it, so her death is really lame. He just strangles her. Uh, body count of eight. He throws her on. I guess it's kind of cool that he throws her onto the ground. It's a good bump. Yeah. She, tell you, she kind of drops her from like six feet in the air and. She bounces. It's the only good part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wayne's poking around in the belly for some re- belly of the ship for some reason. Uh, he's filming. Oh yeah, Julius had handed out like guns and axes to everybody. Well, not- yeah. So uh, <laughs> there's there's like five of them, and Julius has a blanket full of weapons, and he's like, "Here, I got all these weapons." There's two shotguns a wrench and two knives and (laughs) (laughs) no there's an axe there's an axe a wrench yeah anyways there's two guns and five dudes and everybody like goes to grab stuff and wayne gets a shotgun the other three dudes grab an axe and a pipe wrench and some (laughs) other fucking clue type shit and i'm like and then julius is like i'm not gonna use anything uh yeah but this gun and he picks up the gun and I'm like, wait, who's the dude who grabbed the fucking pipe wrench? He's like, hmm, <laughs> shotgun or pipe wrench? I'm not uh, sure. <laughs> well, I've never, I'm probably not a good shot, so I'll take my chances with the pipe wrench. Yeah. Um. So Wayne's down there, a burst of steam blows his glasses off and then somebody pops out and he shoots him. Yeah. But it's just some dude who works on the boat. <laughs> it's like a person somebody. we've never seen before. We see him once because Tammy and uh, Eva are like, look at that babe. And that's like it. Oh, it's that guy. It's the yeah. hot guy they saw. Okay. It's him. So body count of nine. One killed by Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I love that, that this giant cruise ship, the entire crew consists of the Admiral, his first mate, and one crew member. Yeah. Oh, in Crazy Ralph. Oh yeah, in uh, Crazy Ralph. Sorry. Um, up. So, yeah, he, oh, I kind of like that he has to look through his camera to see because he's on his glasses. Mm-hmm. And then Jason stomps up and chases him. He trips over JJ's bloody flying V and finds her body. Uh, Jason grabs him and tosses him into the panel of some into a panel of some sort. And he gets electrocuted and lights on fire. Yeah, his butt starts on fire really, like, immediately. <laughs> He's got all those matches in his back pocket. Those strike-anywhere matches. Yeah. Um, Charles never stops being a dick. He's yelling at Sean for not knowing how to navigate a fucking ship. And he's like, <laughs> you're the son of a captain, for Christ's sakes. Which is ridiculous. Like they'd be like, "Oh, you can't pour, perform open heart surgery. You're the son of a surgeon." It's like, it doesn't work that way, dude. Yeah. Uh, Jason hits the fire alarm. The boiler room's on fire. Charles loads up his flare gun. Uh, he's still denying that Jason's even alive. Uh, that floppy-haired blonde boy um, is walking around. He sees Jason. He tries to hit Jason with an axe, but. Uh, Jason knocks it out of his hands and it lands at Julius's feet. And then the floppy haired guy climbs up a mast to get away. But Jason 
pulls him down and impales him on an antenna. Antenna. <laughs> uh, body count of 11. And then Julius finds Jason. Jason picks, his up, picks him up and just tosses him into the water. Uh, <laughs> Rennie's in a room. Jason headbutts through the porthole and grabs her, and then she stabs him in the eye with Stephen King's pen. (laughs) And, like, this, like, brackish water comes out. Yeah. And this is the point in the movie where, like, I started to... I started... This happens sometimes with supernatural stuff. I started to think a little bit too much about the physiology of Jason. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, lost my suspension of disbelief. It was just like... Wait, so if you stab Jason in the eye, can he still see? Because, like, you know, right, right. None, none of his body actually works, right? He's been dead and decomposing right. for years and underwater and shit. So, obviously, he's just, like, propelled by some sort of supernatural force. So then, does it matter if you stab Jason in the eye? Does that have any effect at all? I don't does know. Does he have vision that you can impair? Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. I, uh, I mean, he's been rotting under the water for years. Like nothing yeah. could be working. Yeah, and we yeah. see him in six. He's covered in maggots. Right. So yeah, big questions that don't have any answers. Um. So Charles is walking around with his gun. The crazy dock worker grabs a knife. Um. The ship's taking on water and it starts flooding. And I guess this is what I alluded to earlier because I made I, I missed this uh, when I watched it, but apparently there's a line about how the rest of the students were in the <laughs> were in the restaurant that flooded. Yeah, so they all just drowned. They I guess drowned. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just it's one line of the movie that yeah gets it, it, it's just functional to just dismiss. 40 characters that's amazing it's amazing i didn't keep that in my body count guys i'm sorry uh so uh charles finds uh oh charles finds rennie and sean who who they're holding oh i guess they're holding each other for some reason i'm not sure why and he yells to get her hand his hands off her this is all your fault he says to sean why why is this all his fault yeah He's got um, some real, yeah. Charles is some real small dick energy. Really does. Then the docker, the dock worker, Ralph guy, dies in front of Charles, Rennie, Sean, and Colleen. Because he Body got an axe in the back. Yeah, exactly. They get into a lifeboat, and uh, folks, we have been talking about this movie for an hour. There's forty minutes left in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh... <laughs> that's yeah what the fuck this movie is so long it is and like imagine being uh in the theater in 1989 to go see this so we've we have just now eclipsed the hour mark and we have not with the exception of the opening credit sequence Mm -hmm. have not sniffed new york city yet no no (laughs) um so julius jumps onto the lifeboat with them the next morning, they're paddling in the lifeboat with life preservers on. The dog's there. Good. Charles is like, I hope you can find the shore soon, Captain. He's we such all an don't asshole. Want to drown. He's and such these an two, asshole. these two kids are rowing the boat for everybody. Yeah. And he's just shitting on them for not finding land. 
Um, they paddle into the night. Everybody's exhausted. And, oh, shit, it's the Statue of Liberty. And this makes no sense geographically at all. <laughs> well, we don't really know where they even came from, right? Is Crystal Lake canonically never had a yeah. state that it existed in. It's sort of like Springfield. I guess, uh, yeah, I thought it was New Jersey, but you're probably well, right. Well, they shot in New Jersey, but then they also shot in, I think, New York or Connecticut. And then, you know, there's right. like two different states, even just for the first two movies. But my whole thing was like, he's fucking around with this computer sextant the whole time to like try, or the computer navigation thing that his dad gave him to try to get to where they're trying to go. And I'm like, you know what would work great here is just a compass. Yeah. If you if you just wanted to head uh, west, that would yeah. probably <laughs> work okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um. So they get they finally get to New York. Um. And they dock the boat, and it's like the shitty the shitty like pier, and uh-huh. Charles is like wonderful place to dock a boat, Mister Robinson. <laughs> wonderful. It's like he just never stops. Yeah, uh, like they got them to land, and not just <laughs> land, to fucking New York City, and he's just like, this is a shitty dock, you picked oh, a bad dock. I know a much better dock that would be perfect to, to dock at. Uh, and then, holy shit, Jason was swimming this entire time, and he follows them onto the dock. Yeah, he just his hand comes up out of the water, and he crawls up a ladder onto the dock. Um... <sighs> And the funny thing is, like, if you watch the behind the scenes, they're all like, we didn't even decide to explain it. It's like, it's up to the viewer to decide how he got yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love that concept as if it's like, ooh, yeah, like, fill in the blanks with your own imagination. It's like, well, no, <laughs> the only thing that you would assume is that I guess he swam behind them the whole time. Yeah. Like, am I supposed to believe that he walked across the ocean floor? Like, is that... He had a submarine. (laughs) All right. I'm going to try to get through this stuff quick because there's still a ton left. And, Uh, yeah. Jason, like, cocks his head like a dog and looks at this, like, billboard for a hockey league with the same mask as him. They, they, you can tell that that the writer director thinks this is the funniest goddamn joke Absolutely. anybody ever wrote, and it's like it's so on the nose. Um, <laughs> our group of heroes gets mugged immediately, like immediately. Forty-five seconds off the boat, probably. Yeah. Um. Well, so I want to point something out here that, like, it, and we can sort of sum up this whole end part of the movie. You alluded to this that like it is all the same locations as the opening credits. Uh-huh. Um literally the same locations. And like the muggers are the two guys who were doing heroin in the beginning yes. of the movie. Like they <laughs> like every shot that takes place in this New York portion was also reused for the opening credits. Like they have so little footage. Yeah, uh, and yet they it, turned it, in an hour and forty lo- minute long movie. Yeah, sorry. Please uh, continue. Sure. Yeah. So that one of them steals Rennie's Statue of Liberty necklace. Um, they shoot at Toby, who runs off, and then they're like, really like coming at Rennie. They abduct her. Essentially, like they're imply like, oh, we're gonna sexually assault her. Uh, Julius wants to help, but Charles is like, no. Let them. They'll kill her if we try to stop. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> his reasoning in this scene is hilarious. Because uh, then right after this, so they leave with her, right? Yeah, they leave and with then, her. And then uh, he's like, <laughs> what, Sean wants to go after her. And he's like, no, we all have to split up. Let's split up. Yeah, and then just yeah. leaves. <laughs> it's so weird. Uh, the muggers bring her into an alley and then fucking inject her with heroin. <laughs> yeah. Um, they shoot her up. Never comes up. Like, literally, she's dizzy for, like, yeah, yeah, 10 yeah. seconds in a subsequent scene. And then that's it. There's no might, other. Like, those are probably dirty needles, too. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah, this is, like, the worst possible time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> oh, God. Um... So Ugh. Jason is like a hero in this part, and he picks up an, the, an empty syringe and like jams it through one of their guys' back. Yeah, right as he's ready to go after Rennie. Um, body count 13. The other guy comes <coughs> back. He's like, forgot my money, Holmes. Who the fuck are you? And then he shoots Jason, of course, to no effect. And then Jason yeah. like pushes him into a pipe, which he breaks with his head. Uh, for body count fourteen. Oh, and I at this point I noticed I noted that this feels like like a canon films Friday the Thirteenth. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like grimy, almost apocalyptic cities for that yeah. are like it's like Death Wish four, but with Jason Voorhees. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's that's and, something. And I I mean also just like this probably goes without saying, but like this New York City set doesn't look anything i mean i it's not even fair to say it doesn't look like new york city because it doesn't look like a city it just no, looks no. like it just looks like sit like sh- really shitty alleyway sets yeah yeah it looks like the movie cyborg if you've ever seen that <laughs> i um, haven't it's with jean-claude van damme it's worth it okay um so julius tries to call the police at a payphone, but jason busts through and chases him up a fire escape and then uh julius like Basically tries to box with Jason. Yeah, this this I when when Julius initially got thrown off the cruise ship, I was like, "Oh, well, isn't he supposed to box Jason? That clearly has to be what he's in this movie to do." Right, right. And, and then, then uh, we finally get the payoff here. His destiny's fulfilled. Um, he's staggering Jason towards the edge, but Jason is really just rope doping him, and then. Yeah. It's a minute, so it is one minute and 16 seconds of nothing but Julius punching Jason. It's kind of a cool scene. I like it. Yeah. No, Um, it's fine. Yeah. And, like, he's punching his mask, and his knuckles are, like, all bloody. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they get to the edge, and Julius is exhausted. And he's just like, take your best shot, motherfucker. And Mm -hmm. Jason punches his head off into a dumpster. (laughs) (laughs) It is... It is it is comical, but I will say that it is, I guess, the goriest thing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. There is a decapitated head. Uh body count of fifteen. Rennie uh is all fucked up. Sean finds her. Um and I wrote Sean oh oh oh. Rennie, what do they do to you? Uh, is like his line delivery. I wrote like in parentheses, <laughs> read this like a weak boy with shit in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, Charles found a cop with a thick Canadian accent. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, um, so the whole, I don't even, when's the last time we talked about this character, but the teacher, 
Colleen. Colleen. Oh, yeah, she's, like, all but absent. Yeah, but she's been here the whole time. She was yeah. on the boat. She's just had nothing to do and no reason to exist. Until this cop fucking pulls a gun on her. Yeah, yeah, straight <laughs> up pulls a gun on her. Like, this middle-aged blonde woman. And it's like, what did Charles say to this guy? Like, he obviously <laughs> didn't prep him. <laughs> He got him is so this, on edge. Is, is this the killer? Is this the murderer? This <laughs> English teacher? Yeah. Uh, so everybody reunites, and there's still a half an hour left in this movie. Oh, uh, God. Uh, he, the cop loads him into a car. Uh, so what did I say? The body count is 15. Uh, the cop loads him into a car, and um, Julius's head is in there. And Jason co- reaches in, grabs the cop. And then suddenly he's in front of the car. I guess he kills the cop. I don't know. He just yeah, he kills the cop. the cop. We see it in silhouette. He hits him with an axe or something. Oh, uh, okay. So body yeah. count 17. Yeah. Um, and then he's in front of the car. Oh, little Jason's in front of the car. She like, she like gets a vision of him. Yeah. More of this and, ghost bullshit. Yeah. And Rennie plows into a wall. Another slow speed crash. It's pretty fast because the car blows up when it hits. <laughs> Like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. She runs over Jason. He flips over the hood of the car. And then then she sees... So it's important to note that the car is moving. Like, she's driving at speed. This whole like this whole scene that Eric just described is like... She's driving a cop car. Hits uh-huh. Jason. Sees the ghost. And then tries to crash into the ghost that's not there. And crashes the car into a wall. Which apparently... Uh, so they get out. The car explodes. I miss this. Colleen is still in the car. Yeah, and they don't. We don't see anything. There's no like lingering on her face. It's just like you. You're kind of left to just be like, oh. And then they're like, Colleen was in there or something like that. And it's like, okay, I guess. I guess this character who's supposed to be the person that Colleen looks up to and is her like she's just okay now she's dead she hasn't been doing anything for 40 minutes and now she's dead and it's just like it's she should have just died on the boat honestly they yeah. could have saved a paycheck <laughs> amen and then uh got another day of filming maybe and find yeah. out with what they're paying them <laughs> um so Rennie stares at the burning car and sees a vision of of uh in a oh yeah yeah she sees a vision in a burning puddle of two people rowing a boat on the lake. And this we get her flashback. So confusing to me. Because this so shot confusing. this shot lingers for a long time. So you're like, she's staring at this puddle. And then, so then the shot is like transfixed on it. And so it's like a flaming puddle. And then there's a tiny boat with two mm-hmm. people in it rowing across the puddle. Yeah. Like, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Because they're doing, like, this slow crossfade. But it's, like, for for me, I'm honestly, for five or six seconds, I couldn't tell what the fuck what was, was going happening. on. What was happening, yeah. And I was like, wait, is there a tiny boat in that puddle? <laughs> what is happening in it's this It's not too far movie? off from the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> so, okay, we get a flashback of why Rennie is so traumatized. And basically, it's her and her father... Sorry, her and her uncle Charles on a boat in the lake. She doesn't know how to swim. He's going to give her a lesson. And he pushes her into the water. 
like the fucking psychopath that he is. Right. But not only does he push her into the water, but he preps her with the story of how Jason Voorhees is in the water. That's right. Yes. Yeah. And I that wrote. and and that like the only way she can avoid getting pulled down by Jason Voorhees is to swim. So like his strategy is to terrify her of drowning of like like she would drown anyways, even if Jason wasn't down there. But yeah. he's like, you you have to swim or Jason will yeah, get like, you. You don't want to drown like that Voorhees boy, do you? He's still at the bottom of this lake. Uh, and then he's like, better swim, Rennie, before Jason pulls you down. And Jason does pull her down. Uh-huh. A little boy, Jason. Which brings me <laughs> to uh-huh. what year is this? And how old is Rennie? How old is Rennie? So the, yeah. he was a boy at the end of the first movie in ni- mm-hmm. that takes place in 1979. The next time yeah. we see him, it's five years later, he's an adult. So yeah. this took place in 1979. Okay, well, here's, here's where I will I'll do a little bit of work for the movie. And I will say that Rennie has been fucking hallucinating little boy Jason this entire movie. Okay. So... I, in my attempt to make this make sense, figured that she, like, this is adult Jason manifesting as little boy ghost Jason, as she has been seeing this little boy ghost for the whole movie. She had a similar experience when she was a girl. Because, as we've clearly established in the timeline of this series, it is... At this point now, probably no earlier than 2002. Right. Right. Um, so, yeah, I was. Um, I figure she didn't actually get pulled down by real little ghost Jason, little boy Jason. She got pulled down by ghost little boy Jason, uh, who okay. is not anchored to the age of actual okay. super killer Jason Voorhees. Okay. Okay, I can buy that. I can buy that. That's the best explanation that actually, yeah. that would make it fit into this timeline. So I'll go with that. And now uh, everything makes sense. <laughs> now I love this movie. Uh, <laughs> so then she confronts her Uncle Charles. She's like, you pushed me into the lake. He's like, I was only trying to teach you. And I pulled you out. I saved your life. <laughs> Just, <laughs> fucking bonkers. That's yeah. like, I-, I stabbed you, but I saved your life. I, I-, mm. I- stopped the bleeding. Um, <laughs> Sean pushes him over. Rennie storms off. Jason comes to, and he chases Charles into a tenement or something, and then somehow immediately throws him off out of the top window. Yeah, we. I think we missed a shot here. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, because Jason's like straight up teleporting, uh, and then Jason dunks his head from into the barrel of like toxic ooze from the opening. And yeah, it's green. It is there. like goopy green. Yeah. This is that classic, like, everybody knows 80s New York City is full of toxic ooze. Yeah. And we're not done with toxic ooze yet. <laughs> oh, God, are we not? Uh, body counts up to 19. Sean finds Rennie. Um, <laughs> Did you, you forgot to add um, uh, Colleen, right? No, I added it. You added her in? Okay. And I also forgot to add the cops, so I, I, I added both. Okay. Um, we get more Rennie backstory here. Which we don't need at this point in the movie. Nope. He's like, I-, I was at school when they told me, Rennie, your parents died in a car accident. Seems like everybody I care about, I lose. It's not going to happen this time. Then they kiss. 
And Jason just crashes through some junk and chases them off. They run into a subway, which is absolutely covered in graffiti. <laughs> Jason <laughs> fo- follows them onto the subway. What were you going to say? Yeah, it looks very Canadian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything's like, hey, what are you talking about? It's like the <laughs> graffiti. <sighs> um, he chases Sorry, the I'm subway walking cold. here. <laughs> <laughs> It's good pizza, eh? <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, I'm, oh, sorry, I'm walking here, uh, hoser. Yeah. Oh, also, just because I'm always Gobble five cool. minutes. <laughs> I'm five minutes behind you, but the Rennie backstory, the exposition thing. Uh, I also have a note that she's she's sitting in an easy chair in an alleyway. Oh yeah, just like just a like, shitty, junky yeah, easy chair. Just like spacing out and looking sad. <laughs> When Sean comes and talks to her. Yeah, that's a good point. She is. Maybe she's just, yeah. Um, so, uh, he they chase him through the subway. Um, she, uh, Jason chases him. The best part is nobody on the subway thinks this is weird. Yeah, the, it moves from the subway station onto a subway car. And he stalks them through the cars of the subway. And everyone is entirely unbothered because New York City. Exactly. Um, they pull the emergency brake, which stops the train. They run onto the tracks. Jason gets out and Sean tackles him onto the third rail. Excuse me. Uh, and then they emerge in times square. And I got like a super dopamine hit from just seeing New York in the eighties, which is just like how it was defined to me when I was growing up, just seeing it through movies, Mm -hmm. just like in Los Angeles, my concept of Los Angeles came from like Terminator and Terminator two. Yeah. Now, not to divert us for too long, but I'm curious because you did grow up in new England. Mm-hmm. When was the first time you remember going to New York city? Uh, not until I was 21. Oh, wow. Okay. <clears throat> Cause my parents, yeah. um, weren't big city people. Okay. Uh, in New York was far enough from where I grew up. It was probably like six or seven hours away from Maine where I grew sure. up. Sure. Yeah. Um, that if we were going to go to the big, a big city, it was Boston. So I went to Boston gotcha. more. Okay. And it wasn't until I was in college that I went to New York City. I actually went, I spent a week in Manhattan when I was uh, 11, probably. So it would have been the mid 90s, like probably around 94, 95. Uh, it was very cool. I stayed with a friend who lived there, who was a child actor. Oh wow! Uh, who is now an adult actor? Um, but, but we're not friends anymore because he was really uh, shitty to me when we were kids uh, because he thought he was too famous to hang out with me because I wasn't in show business. Is he Haley uh, Joel Osment? No, Haley Joel Osment. I have met in real life. He is very cool and very nice. Oh, that's awesome. It's uh, good to hear. Yeah, but no, this guy who I will not call out on the podcast, uh, I ran into a couple times in Los Angeles uh, and like was like, hey, man, like I haven't seen you since we were 12. Like, how are you? And he pretty much did the exact same thing he did when we were 12 years old, where he was kind of like, oh, yeah. Hey, yeah. Good to see you. Uh, I got to go, man. Sorry. And like, oh, like, shit. 
like straight up like no sorry no time for autographs energy and i was like you're not a famous actor you just happen to be good friends with a successful director and so you managed to sneak into a bit role in every one of his movies okay you're gonna have to tell me who this is off the air okay well that's a, that's a that's a big clue for our yeah our, uh, I, I have people who pay a lot of attention hmm, i have an idea but okay. we'll see okay. uh okay so we're in Times Square, which is cool. Um, and it's cool to see Jason in Times Square. Mm-hmm. Uh, he interacts with those. He kicks over like that punk gang's boom box. Um, and they like pull a knife on him and he pulls his mask up and scares him off. <laughs> yeah, but we don't see it. He's we don't facing see it. away from the camera. So then in a, we're in a diner. Uh, Sean and, and Rennie want to call the police. To tell, uh, to tell that there's a maniac trying to kill them. And the waitress is like, welcome to New York. Hmm. Uh, Jason comes in and chases them into an alley. Then he chases them into the sewers. And oh, wait. Hold on. There's a, there's something in the diner that I think is, is pretty noteworthy. So when he comes into the diner, this enormous line cook comes out from behind the grill and tries to toss him out. And Jason picks that guy up and, like, throws him into a wall. So that guy, his name is Ken Kurzinger, will go on to play Jason Voorhees in Freddy vs. Jason. No shit, really? Yeah. So it is a, it is a Jason on Jason. It's like a two-second confrontation. But yeah, it's, oh, that's if you very go, cool. Yeah, you go back and watch it, and so that is the next person who's going to play Jason Voorhees. That's very cool. I bet he was just like a stunt guy or something on the show. He was, yeah, he's just a stunt guy in this movie. That's cool. Um, so he's in the sewers. They they meet up with some sort of like sanitation worker who's just down there. Uh huh. Um, he lets them. He lets them know a very interesting and important fact about the sewer. Yeah, that do you have it written down cuz it's like it's going to be flooded with toxic yeah. waste soon. <laughs> and he's he lets them know that they have to get out of the sewer ASAP because every night at midnight the sewer floods with toxic waste. <laughs> <laughs> that is absurd. Ah, oh, I love it. Yeah, and I also wrote that a sewer is the most boring location imaginable for a chase. And yeah. it's like, like you said, we had the briefest of dopamine hits when we got a real cool New York location with Times Square. That's over now. We're no longer in New York. Now we no. are in a shitty sewer set where this movie will end. <laughs> um, Jason catches the dude, hits him in the head with a wrench, body counts up to 20, uh, and then Rennie pulls a, like, all right, so Jason's about to hit Sean with his wrench and mm-hmm. Rennie blinds him with a flashlight. And she's like, you didn't get me in the lake and you're not going to get me now. And then she runs off and Jason's follows her. And there's a fucking barrel of toxic waste in like a red video game barrel. <laughs> that just says like toxic waste on it. Yeah. Uh, she splashes it on him. He like, screams. It melts his stupid looking face. He has a. I don't yeah. like the way he looks. In his this mask comes off, and I said, "This is the worst maskless Jason look we have seen in the series." Yeah, it really is. It looks like a joke. It's. I mean, as much as the last one looked a little bit too corny, this goes so much further, and it's mm-hmm. like kind of 
Yeah, it's like all white and it just looks like shit. So she grabs Sean and they climb up a ladder. There's like a it's like a manhole, but it's like covered by a grate that they're trying to push mm-hmm. up. And Jason grabs her legs. And then right then the walls start shaking and here comes the toxic waste. <laughs> and we hear a little boy saying, Mommy, don't let me drown. Uh, and then water start or toxic waste starts rushing in. But it's really then, just water. It's just water. And then Jason starts puking water. Like water just starts flowing out of his mouth. Yeah, so I don't know why. I have no idea why. But I figured I would share the piece of trivia that Kane Hodder really vomited that water. He what? drank he drank multiple pitchers of water before this scene and then actually vomited water. <laughs> why? Right. What is the explanation for this? And it's Kane, like okay. Kane Hodder, I like his work, but he has he can turn it down a little bit. It's it's okay. Yeah. He doesn't have to go this far. There's a whole thing about I didn't even want to share this because it makes me like him less, but like there's an outtake from the beginning of this movie where he's just wearing a strap on in oh, one of yeah, the scenes. Yeah, yeah. And it's like ugh, it's just kind of weird and too much. But there's no explanation as to why Jason starts vomiting water. I guess he's scared, maybe. But he's, like, scared of rushing water, but he also swam to New York City? Yeah. I don't I don't know. So he starts puking this water. He the, the, the waste kind of sweeps him away, and he starts to melt. And right then, the stat- lightning strikes the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> Which just happened in, like, there's pictures of it. I don't know if it's actually hitting the statue or behind the statue. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of reverts back to the little boy he was. I sort of took the lightning as the, like, kind of classic when a supernatural evil is defeated. It, like, yeah. causes crazy events to take place or something. That's. I think that's what they're going for here. I think so too. And there was a deleted thing that they shot for this, which is like Jason's the little boy climbing out of Jason's mouth with the rushing water. Oh yeah, did you, you see that? I saw that, and it's like it's just so funny because they talk about it like, oh yeah, it's a little confusing because we lost this deleted scene, and I'm like, dude. Yeah, it's yeah. really confusing, and this deleted scene does not sound like it would have clarified anything at all. No, like, no. Uh, so then we see his mask looking like all floppy, floating <laughs> on the surface of the, of the uh, sewage waste. And then uh, up, up up top, Sean and Rennie kiss. He gives her back her Statue of Liberty necklace, and we see this like low angle point of view. Somebody rushing at them, and it's Toby. <laughs> And, uh, okay, that's the end. That's the end of the movie. Ugh. What the a ending journey is, we just went on. Like, I I just want to be clear to anyone who, who didn't watch this that the ending is even more confusing than what we just described. Like, it, yeah. it, if you're sitting there going like, wait, what happened? These guys didn't explain it very well. There is no way to explain it well. It's total nonsense. It's, it, yeah. Whew. Oh boy. Yeah, it is. Uh, it, I don't know, man. This movie is so interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting as an artifact to me. Yeah, yeah. More than anything else. Okay, so covered the body count as we we're going through. It has a body count of twenty, pretty high for the series. Although most of these kills, as I said, are goreless uh, mm-hmm. and joyless. There's not too much about them yeah. that's great. Yeah, there's like two that I enjoyed in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, Mike, so favorite mm-hmm. character? Uh, I know mine. Do you need a second okay. to think of yours? Or no, no, I know. I so my favorite character, and I think this is something we alluded to earlier about what could have been if they had let the right characters sort of uh, stick around. I like JJ a lot, but my pick is actually Wayne. Oh, okay. I think I, I I felt a kinship to Wayne as the guy who's like wants to go off to film school and. You know, yeah. have it has a camera. He's a he's a hottie. He is a uh, hottie. He's got great style, and uh, yeah, and I enjoyed the actor that played him. I thought he was, you know, he felt like a real person. Um, oh, I wanted to say too that that actor still works quite a bit. He's in Riverdale. Yeah, yeah he's um, on Riverdale right now. I think he's got a regular recurring role. So yeah, if you watch uh, the show, you might recognize him. Martin Cummings, I think his name is. Uh, for me, I think that my favorite character is Julius. Um, okay. I, I enjoyed the boxing scene with him. I like mm-hmm. I like his his take charge attitude. Yeah. Um, he seems like the only person who is really standing up for Tina when she was abducted. Yeah. And maybe Sean put up a fight a little bit, but uh, everything like he does is dude. so whiny. Yeah. Yeah. Sean, yeah, we have to help her. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. uh yeah so julius my favorite character cool Uh, moment that aged the worst uh i think for me it is the portrayal of new york although new york was by all accounts pretty dangerous at this time it wasn't quite this bad (laughs) you don't literally like step off of a boat and get mugged everything's covered in graffiti junkies are right next to you it's (laughs) you know um so I think for me that 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 is the moment that aged the worst. Sure, but I also um, wasn't there. Yeah, fair. Uh, yeah, mine kind of folds into that. Initially, I had written down that the thing about this movie that aged the worst was Tammy's hair, <laughs> but uh, I realized that I had a, a better, uh, more impactful one, which is so the junkies uh, slash muggers. There's two of them. Uh, and the guy, one of them, who's the second one to die, the one who comes back for his wallet, yeah, uh, is doing like a very stereotypical, like Hispanic, like Latinx. Essay? Yeah, he yeah. says essay. He says comprende. Is all this shit, <laughs> and it's a fucking white guy. Yeah, um, yeah. And I looked him up, and he's like a Canadian actor. And I'm not gonna call <laughs> the guy out because you know. He's still a working actor, and this was more than 30 years ago, so I guess I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. But it's like, it's just a fucking straight-up white dude doing stereotypical uh, la- Latino gangster, like, mugger. And it's, it's, it does not, it doesn't go over well. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the best death, uh, probably only two to choose from. Which one is yeah. you pick? Uh, Julius, yeah. Julius, yeah. Julius has a fun, it's a fun build up to it. And then, you mm-hmm. know, uh, yeah, I think for me, it's, 
if 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 you're gonna say Julius, I'll say the the hot rock in the stomach. Yeah, also those are the only good. two interesting ones in this movie. Yeah, not yeah. much to pick from. Nope. Uh, so on the carpenter scale, how scary is this movie? <laughs> well, it depends. Uh, Jason's not very scary, but New York City. <laughs> yeah, New York City's terrifying. Uh, and I think for that reason, uh, I chose They Live for the scariness of this movie. Because I think it has some sort of similar, like, what a shit show this city is. And well, it's also feel, not very scary. I don't think They Live is a scary movie. I think I think you've missed uh, a truly obvious choice here. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Assault on Precinct 13? Or Escape from New York? <laughs> Escape from New York. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, also, again, a movie that's not particularly scary, but does make New York look truly like a hellhole. Although yeah. I would say that the depiction of New York City in this movie is probably even less flattering than New York as a prison colony <laughs> in Escape from New York. I'm down with Escape from New York. Okay. Great, because I don't. I just don't think we could give it anything else, you know. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, okay, so then uh, finally, uh, pass or fail. Yeah, Mike, what say you? Uh, this is a real stinker. Yeah, this is this is a. Uh, yeah, this is definitely a pass, for sure. I cannot recommend this movie to anyone. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm on this. I'm in the same boat as you. I did have a blast watching it. That mm-hmm. doesn't, for me, that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's good. I, yeah. I watch a lot of really bad movies that I enjoy, but I can't recommend them. To, recommend them to anybody. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, this is a this is definitely uh, a fail. You said a pass. Um, I think you meant thought, to say fail. I like pass on this one. It's pass. a fail. That's that's why that's why our system is confusing. Yeah. How about a watch or don't watch? Um, how about um we should have something that rhymes. Sure. Uh, or like kill or still. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come up with a new system by the next episode. Mary fuck kill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh, that's interesting actually. Mary fuck kill because I would fuck this movie. I would not marry it. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, try that on for size for a while. Okay, yeah, um, cuz that actually is it has an interesting ga- gr- yeah. Gray area. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Uh, just late. Just just move right on. Move yeah. right past it. Um <laughs> yeah, so that's that's I think that's good too because it it gives you uh, another option because for me this is a kill uh, uh-huh, i don't okay. think i didn't enjoy it as much as eric did so this one i'm just like yeah nobody should watch this movie yeah. but like yeah i can see where you're coming from if you're uh, if you're drunk it's late at night <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't kick this movie out of bed yeah uh i've spent an hour and 40 minutes doing worse i guess um okay <laughs> So, jeez Louise. We have one final segment that we're going to do here on the show. Uh we're going to do a quick round of staff picks, which is uh our recommendations that if you didn't like this movie, what are some better movies uh that that we would recommend to you? And mm-hmm. the category that we chose for this is New York horror movies. 
horror yeah. movies that take place in New York. Yeah, this movie sold you sold a lot of people a bill of goods about being uh, a New York centric horror film, which we realize it really isn't. No, um, but there are some much better options out there. Yeah. Um, do you want to start, Eric? Yeah, my first pick uh, is Chud, cannibalistic mm. humanoid underground dwellers. Fuck yeah. Uh, that is a super fun movie about these mutant cannibal freaks that mm-hmm. live in the su- live in the subway, uh, the tunnels under the under the city. Uh, Daniel Stern and John Hurt are both in it, both great. Uh, yeah. It's a movie that I'm I, I'm due for a rewatch. It's been a it's been a bit. But it's something I love, of a. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish. Oh, I just I love its scummy, scummy portrayal of of mm. New York City. Yeah, it's uh, something of a precursor to Home Alone. You know, a little bit of a uh-huh. of a prequel almost. Yeah. to that one <laughs> with its two lead actors. Yeah, yeah, you're um, right. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it, it definitely has it has that which a lot of these these movies we're gonna recommend. It's it has it captures that scuzzy New York feeling. Just funny because I think Chud bears a lot of resemblance to the, the last twenty minutes of this movie. It it's does. Just, yeah, it's just much better. Yeah, it um, takes place in sewers. Yeah, yeah, toxic ooze, toxic all, ooze. all that good stuff. Super yeah. fun movie. Yeah, uh, cool. Uh, so my first pick, as I am wont to do, I cheated, uh, and I mean, you know what? It's staff picks. I can do whatever the fuck I want. It's not like we're yeah. picking f- four heads for Mount Rushgore. Um, you come into my video store, and the first question I'm going to ask you, if you tell me, "Hey, this movie sucked. It didn't deliver on this thing," I say, "Have you ever watched any of the 1980s output of Frank Henenlotter?" Uh huh. Um, because this isn't just one movie. This is a guy who really kind of made his career out of uh, playing in the sandbox of New York City sleaze. Mm-hmm. Um, really got things started with Basket Case, uh, which is a movie we've talked about before. It's a movie that one of our listeners, Mitch uh, Bishop, we know you're out there. Sorry if you don't want us to tell people your last name. Uh, write us an email and uh, we'll scrub it from future episodes. (laughs) (laughs) We don't edit this podcast. Um, But yeah, Basket Case is a really fun movie about uh, a guy who carries around a freakish monster in a wicker basket (laughs) Uh who who murders people. But it has uh, just like a really great, like the whole thing uh, is kind of centered around like a, you know the kind of classic motel where you'd rent a room by the week and yeah uh, yeah you know stay in 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 a shitty part of town and then he went on to make a couple more with a similar feelings brain damage which is one i watched not that long ago we talked about briefly on the podcast i love that one um and then you know perhaps from a new york perspective at least uh you get to 1990 his piece de resistance for me Frankenhooker. Ah, that's my Um, favorite, I think. Yeah, it's really fun. uh, And there's a lot of good Times Square stuff in there. And I mean, it's just, it is funny to me to hear uh, Frank Mancuso Jr. talk about them not having money to shoot in New York City. And then I think about these cheap, shitty Hen and Lauder movies. Yeah. 
I, I, you shot, know, I think the, the difference ahead, there yeah. is he probably shot guerrilla style. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he didn't get permits for half of the stuff he did. Um, but you know what? Sometimes that's what you got to do to get things done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he does just this exploitation stuff, but he does it really well. And so, yeah, I would recommend all three of those films if you're looking for some good New York uh, sleaze. Uh, what's next for you, um, So, actually, I was inspired by yours, uh, and I mm-hmm. thought of one that I hadn't thought of before. Uh, it's less of a horror movie and more of a sci-fi kind of horror movie. It's called okay. Liquid Sky. Interesting. It's on Shutter. At least it okay. was on Shutter when I watched it several times. It is one of the most visually striking movies you're going to see in a, in a long time, and it all takes place in the like aftermath of the punk scene in in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just like these super drugged up um, hipsters uh, who are all like models and artists and visual artists. Um they're all drawn to this one woman. Uh, I'm totally blanking on her name, um, it, but she plays a dual role, a male character and a female character. She's a fashion model. Okay. In it, and then she also plays a fashion model who's a male. Uh, and essentially there's an alien saucer that, that um, lands on the top of her penthouse. It's like not even a penthouse. It's like a, she lives on the roof basically in like a crazy apartment. It lands on the top and it feeds off of people's orgasms and kills them at the point of orgasm. Whoa. It's insane. That sounds crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy movie. I'd say watch the trailer. If it seems like something uh-huh. you'd be into, do it. There is there is some like uncomfortable sexual stuff in there as far as like yeah. people forcing herself on them on okay. her. Um but it's a really interesting movie. Um the first 20 minutes are kind of the best part. So if you're not in at that point, then I wouldn't Got it. continue to watch. Uh, but yeah, so Liquid Sky. And then I also want to quickly say Murder Party. Um, yeah. I've Jeremy seen that Soliner's one. first movie uh, takes place in Brooklyn. It's all, all about like Brooklyn hipsters. Another kind of send up of that culture. Mm-hmm. The art world. Uh, and... Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, re- I would recommend those two at least three movies i guess total chud liquid sky and murder party sure um yeah i'll fire off a few more i won't go into detail um on them too much but last week i talked about uh watching jacob's ladder for the first time uh which i mentioned i really enjoyed also didn't come up but it's a great new york movie it's uh, you get to see a lot of brooklyn before it really started to get heavily gentrified you know in the night in the late 90s and then obviously in the 2000s um but yeah some really um it it definitely has a a very kind of uh what's the word i'm looking for well i've never lived in new york city so i don't want to say it's a real new york feel but i've spent enough time in new york city that it reminds me of the real thing and it's Mm -hmm. also just a great movie which helps a lot um, and then just a few others I've mentioned before on the podcast, uh, the sequel to Suspiria, Dario Argento's Inferno, mm-hmm. uh, moves the action to New York and that one's very cool. And it's got, uh, like a cool scene in Central Park and some other stuff like that, that, uh, if, you know, very feels of the city. Um, and then one more I wanted to shout out was, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever seen Eric Q, uh, also Q oh, the Winged yeah. Serpent by Larry Cohen. 
I've seen parts of it. Yeah. Yeah. So that one's crazy. It's got some sort of almost Ray Harryhausen esque kind of claymation effects with this mm-hmm. giant. Uh, What's well, Quetzalcoatl? The um, yeah, yeah. Uh, is this the actual uh, winged serpent in the movie? Um, but it's funny because it's like it's really just like a New York sort of uh, almost detective journalist kind of movie that just happens to have this giant uh, winged beast in it. Yeah, dragon. Yeah. Uh, but that one's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend that. There's something in that movie that confuses me greatly. Okay, so I live close to Highland Park in Los Angeles. And mm-hmm. in Highland Park, there's a very famous landmark called Chicken Boy. You know the you okay. know chicken, chicken, chicken No, man, chicken I boy? don't. I don't. Oh, really? It's, it's the statue of the man with the chicken head holding a bucket of chicken that's on top of a building next to the movie theater. I mean, I know that area you're talking about. I don't think I've ever been aware of this statue. So um, Chicken Boy or Chicken Man is in Q in New York. And I had to look up why. And I couldn't find a reasonable explanation as to why. Was it maybe a chain? If it was a chain, I don't know. I I don't think it was. I'm very confused by it. Wow. Uh, So anyway, that's my contribution. All right, cool. Yeah. Oh, and one more we forgot to mention, just another one that has come up in the podcast before, so we don't need to talk about it, but Street Trash, uh, a few episodes back, we, we talked about that movie as well, and that's a real uh, gritty New York film. Uh, just all of these really, none of these are like wonderful, sunny, uh, pleasant uh, representations of New York City. Right. But you know what? They're horror movies, so what do you expect? Uh, I was trying to send you a picture of Chicken Boy. <laughs> Whatever. You can look it up yourself. All right. We'll, so we'll, can we'll, the listener. We'll come back to Chicken Boy or Chicken Man, <laughs> we're not sure, uh, on next week's episode. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, – did you have anything else you wanted to add to staff picks, Eric? No, I think I'm done. All right, great. Well, then we filled the recommendations shelf at the video store for this week. Uh, and that will do it for this episode. So we will be back again next time with uh, a new production company. We're switching over to New Line Cinemas uh, for Jason Goes to Hell, The Final Friday. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, Eric, this is also, for anybody who's been watching along with us at home, I think we have now left um, the Amazon Prime offerings. Yes, um, yes. This is one that I think is a rental that you have to rent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can always tune in the beginning of next episode and we'll let you know if, if we enjoyed this one and it might be worth, uh, throwing some money at, but, uh, we will be back in a few days with, with that one. And in the meantime, uh, if you have any questions or suggestions for us, you can email us as always at killstreakpod at gmail.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail, uh, at our podcast website anchor.fm slash killstreakpod and i think by the time this episode comes out we will also have our own website uh with a brand new homepage for the podcast so look out for that as well um and yeah check us out on twitter uh what's our twitter handle eric it is at killstreakpod fantastic and, uh, and i'm gonna yeah. try to start tweeting more on that uh definitely like posting our episodes updates I want to get some polls up there about some future mm-hmm. series we can cover. I think we have our next couple. Well, we at least have our next one picked out. Uh, 
Uh, and then maybe we'll toss up a poll about what the the other one yeah. will be. Yeah, and again, like throw us suggestions to uh, any of these ways you can communicate with us. We also have a Facebook page, and you can message us that way too. So we are trying to be as easy to contact as possible. So please do not be shy about it. Yeah, reaching don't out. be shy. Yeah. And as always, is that a muscular bot or what? Julius is the only senior I'd consider doing it with. 